Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday Eve. From the opening drive on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The one, the only, the Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, is in the house along with Matthew Rocchio. CD, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. You know what I decided this morning? First of all, let me say this. Several days ago, when we got to, uh, what did we get to? Did we get to six a couple of days ago? Is that where we are with the Blues? Uh, yes. Uh, the Blues are at San Jose tonight, pregame at 8.30, action at 9.30 here on 101 ESPN, and uh, a couple of nights ago, they got to... The number of the day, really hops and kicks, the number of the day is... Six! So the Blues have lost six in a row, and I am, as you know, apt to hold a grudge and be a little bit bitter, as a matter of fact, as you might be aware. I have uh, kind of retired the Blues golf bag. Really? Yeah. You know what? This is so Randy has a chance to be mercurial. Okay. Because I did say when they won the Stanley Cup that that bag would be my bag forever. Okay. That being said, this isn't the Stanley Cup year anymore. (laughs) So I'm going through all my stuff last night preparing for today to come to work. And I say, you know what? I am going to wear my Stanley Cup championship pullover. I got a couple of these. And I'm thinking about this, Carrie. There's a, and I, I don't want to start this show on a, on a negative note, but I'm going to. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the Cardinals aren't great anymore? And, and because I don't we, the Blues yeah. have been great yeah. for a long time, they've been great for more than a decade, a dozen yeah. years. What's going to happen when the Cardinals run into the same situation that the Blues are in right now? Like a, and they're losing a lot, and we have to deal with it. Like a sixty-game win season, sixty win 72 season, seventy-two win season, seventy-two and ninety. Yeah, oh, I was sixty would make people just no, that, they, they jump off the bridge, they <laughs> jump off <laughs> they the Poplar Street Bridge. We would be hearing yeah. about it all day, every day. I, I don't know, Randy. I think I don't you know, think anybody knows how fans will react. To no, that. no. I, hopefully, we never have to witness that or go through that the Cardinals have done a great job with their prospects and evaluating talent and hopefully they can keep that talent in house and and not trade it away winning seasons every year since 2007 yeah, yeah. You, you want you, you enjoy that you don't when you're in the middle of it though you don't really know that you're enjoying it because right. there aren't I guess as many championships as you would like. That's the thing. People aren't enjoying it enough. That, that, and, and sometimes when you don't enjoy things, Randy, it gets taken from you. Yes, it does. So Perfect example. The yeah. Blues, who yeah. are, by the way, in San Jose tonight. Uh, again, 8.30 pregame. 
boy, was Panger mad at me yesterday, wasn't he? Or two days ago when, when I said, oh, you're going to get out and play Pebble? He was like, oh, Randy, what are you doing? <laughs> Unfortunately, he was not going yeah. to. So tune in for Blues, and that's yeah. just a really long way of saying I'm wearing my Blues Stanley Cup champions pullover today. Get really the long way. They're going to get the dub tonight, yeah, Randy. Yeah, thank you for putting Church. out some good energy after yeah. just, just oh, like, yeah. I don't know, like the beginning of hey. a horror movie with the... Speaking geez. of good energy... Your Saint, uh, your well, not your uh-huh. Mizzou Tigers. Well, kind of yours. I well, mean, you can you can swoop in so, whatever you want because you're paying them. I, I paid yesterday. I sent them some money yesterday, <laughs> so, so I guess in in smaller terms, I am yeah. sort of, but not really. I, it, it doesn't feel good, <laughs> you know, Randy. If you gotta pay to be a part of a club, I don't know that that's really a club I want to be a part that's of. A club. Well, but as long as you, they're winning. See, the thing is, yeah. is you can check out. You can pay them and right. say, ah, I'll be a part of it whenever I want. Yeah. Uh, if they win a national championship, Randy, I will have my Mizzou dad <laughs> shirt on. How about that? Yeah, nine times out of ten, and not this morning. Uh, <laughs> CD is wearing it this morning is Matthews Dickey yes. uh, pullover. But nine times out of ten, you're wearing some sort of black and gold. Yes, black and gold. Hazelwood Central, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll move in some some Illinois orange and blue. Yeah, here you and do there. right. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I tend to I look good in black yeah, and gold. Have, I just didn't look good in Mizzou black and gold. Carrie. Yeah, even if Mizzou wins a national championship, you are yeah, wearing Mizzou gear. You are not going to wear it. I won't wear it. I just won't. So anyway, they're down 43-24. 19 down last mm-hmm. night with two minutes left in the first half, but they rally to within 13 at halftime, and then they tie the game at 74 with a couple of minutes left before Des Moines Hodge gets them the lead. Wraparound pass, right wing, open Hodge for the lead. Bang! Missouri has the lead for the first time tonight, 77-74, with 90 seconds to play in regulation. That's our buddy Mike Kelly on the Big 550 KTRS and the Tiger Network. Mizzou rolls 81-76, and it was interesting, CD. During the course of the broadcast, like the last 10 minutes of the telecast last night on SEC Network, they were pointing out that Mizzou averages better than 80 at home, but about 60 points a game on the road. And then they just take off and wind up scoring basically their season average, 81 points on the road at LSU. Yeah, they, they do a good job. They lead the SEC, or second in the SEC in scoring, but they also are dead last in points allowed. So they, yeah. they are going to allow teams to stay in games or, or get back into games, um, but they have done a great job of finding a way to a couple of you know game-ending shots in the last five, in the last few games, and this game to come back from 13, 18 down uh, to come back to win that game is a, a big win for them. And they are, you know, as they continue to go, they are looking closer and closer to to less than a 10 seed, which doesn't bode well for me in my pockets. No, that's true. It doesn't. <laughs> the leading scoring team in the SEC, the Alabama NILs, beat Auburn 90 to 85. <laughs> They're number two in the country. They're 26 and four overall. Alabama NILs. Yeah, or... roll NIL. <laughs> they just spending money left and right, huh? And it, it's working. Uh, they're number two in the country. And if you ask Bruce Pearl, we're going to get to this in rock and roll at the end of the show. If you ask Bruce Pearl, they're spending money somewhere else as well. Yeah, that's fine. So, Golston and Hodge, 20 plus each for Mizzou last night. And, and Alabama did win. They clinched the SEC title. They're 26 and 4, 16 and 1 in the conference. So, congratulations to Nate Oates and to. Uh, the, the the guy who got Brandon the bad Miller. Brandon Miller, yeah. Congratulations. He's going to be a top five pick. Yeah, Just he is. Don't, don't do dumb things. Uh, you were fighting Illini. We'll host uh, Michigan tonight. Yeah, we ILL. Don't, we don't like those guys. I and I. Yeah, and Lindenwood loses to SEMO last night. Lindenwood loses in the opener of the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament, so their season is over. Tonight, 
You've got the start of Arch Madness, which I really love going to. Mm-hmm. It's one of the great events on the St. Louis sports calendar. If you're a basketball fan, it doesn't get more pure than the Valley and Arch Madness. Tickets available, and we're going to give away some tickets later in the show. Bradley is the number one seed. They won't be playing tonight, but it'll be a fun weekend of basketball over at Enterprise Center. It, it, I mean, the, the Arch Madness is always fun. It's always an exciting time. And to be able to have, you know, basketball, tournament basketball, tournament-style basketball here for, for St. Louis year after year is, is good for the, for the city, and it's good for those young men to be able to have an environment like this to play in. That's the cool thing is you get to come to a pretty good market. Yep. You get to play in a pretty good building. I'm with you. It's pretty cool for those guys to be able to do it. And tickets available, just go to archmadness.com if you would like to get down to Arch Madness. Cardinals will play Houston today down in Florida. The Cardinals were off yesterday, and so they'll get back in action. And also, maybe today, CD, the national, uh, the, the long national nightmare will come to an end. Aaron Rodgers says that he is going to make oh. a decision on his playing future soon. The Prince of Darkness has come out yeah. of dark and yeah. has come to the light and is ready to talk to, to us mere mortals, isn't he? Mm-hmm. he he's, he's ready for, for us to know what he's doing. How yeah. fun is that? How, yeah. how lucky are we, Randy? I can't tell you how fortunate I feel to be living in this <laughs> oh time, Kerry Davis. I'm so I'm just thankful yeah. to be in his presence in this moment, to be to be a part of this because it's all about him, clearly. So you're in the 99% of players who don't get to decide when it's over. Yes. Right? So as a guy who doesn't get to decide when it's over, how do you feel about drawing it out like this Man, guy does? I, I there is something about, you know, Every person is different, right? Every locker room has has that person or two that is a little bit quirky, uh, that is kind of standoffish or or kind of to themselves, maybe a little bit selfish. You're 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 you generally hope that it's not your quarterback that is that type of person because that's the one person that is you know air quotes supposed to be the leader of the team. Um, but when that guy is is kind of quirky or or weird or maybe a little bit self-absorbed it it's it's hard to be around them and that's that seems to be what Aaron Rodgers is he's he's a bit self-absorbed it's about him like who else would we be talking about coming out of darkness and waiting on their yeah, right, decision right it, it doesn't happen so and this is a saga that has taken place I, it feels like for the last three years yeah. we're trying to figure out where Aaron Rodgers is going to play football I wonder if it's an organizational thing or maybe it's a market because the market is so enamored of the Packers. But the same thing happened with Brett Favre. And Brett Favre, did you ever hear this, that he had a little alcove off the locker room when he was like 37, 38, and I think the next oldest teammate was 29, and he didn't relate to his teammates anymore. So he had his own little locker room off of the locker room. That's strange. And then remember Ed Werder being camped out on his front yard, waiting for the the white smoke to come from Brett Favre's (laughs) house? So maybe this is just a Packer quarterback thing that they let fester and happen. I mean, Aaron Rodgers may have been able to watch – Brett Favre do it and go about his business and and hopefully it doesn't carry over to Jordan Love and he's the next Mm -hmm. quarterback that's there for 10-12 years and and towards the end of his career uh, he's trying to make a decision but in, in in fairness you know as much fairness as you can have for for Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre they drafted their replacements in the first round while they were still playing at an elite level so there would be some frustration if, if someone were to hire your replacement, spend a lot of money on them, and they were just sitting here for two years watching you work. Uh, you might be a little bit frustrated as well and, and look at management and say, yeah, yeah, no, the hell with you guys. One thing about these two guys, Favre and Aaron Rodgers, 
And by the way, so many Joe Montana wound up with Kansas City at the end of his career. Johnny Unitas wound up with the Chargers. I mean, it's not like every Joe Namath played for the Rams. It's not like every great quarterback has started and ended. Peyton Manning moved yep. on, right? But I would think that if you were a Hall of Fame guy, Elway finished where he started. Yeah. Jim Kelly finished where he started. Dan Marino finished where he started. I would think that there would be at least a part of you that would want to play, if you played at that Hall of Fame level, your entire career in one spot. I, I think it would be. I think Big that, Ben, by the way. Ben, ben has. I think Patrick Mahomes will. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere. But it, it's weird when you see a quarterback that has played in, in one place for so long. T- seeing Tom Brady in a in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform was kind of a shock to the system when he first, first got there. Uh, it's part of the game, though. As you said, 99% of us don't get to yep. choose where we go, and, and that does not exclude Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You know, most times you're going to end up somewhere else unless you just decide to retire and, and no longer want to play the game. Yeah, I guess in terms of what they did elsewhere, I think I would take – I'm talking about the second act. Uh-huh. I would take Manning with the Broncos over Brady with the Bucks. I will I, because he had an MVP. He had a record-breaking year. Touchdowns. Yeah, he was. He was won a for, Super Bowl for not for, that year though. Yeah, right. He, he, the yeah, year he won year, a Super Bowl, yeah. he, he, was, he wasn't really his, a part of it. His arm <laughs> yeah. looked like it was hanging on by. Kind of it hurt to watch him throw the ball deep. It was it was tough, but he did have a great team around him, great defense, and they were able to win a championship. Um, but I do I agree. Peyton Manning going to the Broncos that first year. I, I like Joe Montana when he went to to the Kansas City Chiefs. So close. It, he, they were really close. He and, got concussed in his last game. They yeah. were beating Buffalo. Yeah, he was uh, he was he was playing outstanding. So. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it, it happens. You don't always get to end up the way you want to. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go somewhere else, and he's going to get paid that 58, what is it, $58.2 million yeah. that he's owed. He's not no, – no one in their right mind is walking away from that, yep. uh, and he's not going to allow that salary to, to be decreased. So he'll, he'll get paid his money. If you do a YouTube search, by the way, I just did, so I know you can do it, and – just type in uh, Montana Elway Monday Night Football. Maybe one of the great Monday Night Football games of all time. Kansas City and Montana mm-hmm. at Denver. It was awesome. It was great. So you can watch the heck. They've got the whole game up two and a half hours if you want to watch some Monday Night. That's football. what I was going to say. I didn't know if I could say that. Oh uh, yeah, you can say that. Okay. Well, this is when this you is say because you guys play. When you yeah. say Michigan, we usually say say Muck Michigan. Yeah. That that's who we are. And that yeah. happens sometimes when yeah. when you go fishing and you just kind of have to fish in the muck. Yeah, yeah that, you, that, that's 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 we have T-shirts yeah. to sit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that school up north. Yeah, we don't like those guys. Coming up next on the opening drive, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. That's 314-399. Yo ho! What are you sick of today? It's Thursday. We're sick of Greg Amsinger not joining us at the bottom of the hour. We're kind of bummed about that. Is he going to be with us tomorrow, Matthew? Did you nail that down? We're going to work on it. Okay. We know Brooke Grimsley is going to be with us tomorrow. Sure so that'll be fun. But we've got Sick of It next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Davis, 
Matthew Rocky or Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. What are you sick of? I am sick of the director of the Major League Baseball Players Association, Tony Clark. And we're going to talk about this later. He told Evan Drellick, friend of the show of The Athletic, quote, we're never going to agree to a cap. Let me start there, unquote. CD, I am sick of Tony Clark complaining about the imbalance of salaries and the lack of a middle class in baseball. If you're not going to agree to a cap, then you're going to have a system where (laughs) you're going to have a large group of players making a whole bunch of money, and you're going to have a whole bunch of players making the minimum. Don't complain about something that you can control if you don't take control of it. Well, if you don't want to have a salary cap, like you said, Randy, there's going to be you know, the haves, and then you're going to have the have-nots. Not going to have a salary floor. You're not. You're going to have people getting paid whatever they can get paid so that those stars can make the amount of money that they want to get paid. And that that, that comes with it. But as you said, Randy, you probably shouldn't complain about something that you can control. Or help fix. That's the bottom line. And so for those players that are not playing Major League Baseball, that still have the ability to play Major League Baseball now, but teams don't want to sign four and five million dollar bench players, the guy that you should be complaining to is Tony Clark. I'm sick of you, Tony. Yeah, I, I I like that, Randy. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of people uh, putting the Warriors out of their minds because they've had so many injuries and because they are in the West and they're getting older. I'm sick of hearing about the war, the, the 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 L.A. Lakers who aren't going to make a playoffs mm-hmm. when you have A.D. sitting out last night, even though they won. He's sitting out with all those injuries that they have. LeBron is hurt. You got uh, K.D. joining the Suns and everybody, they're going to be the, the fan favorite. You got Kyrie going to the Mavs and now they're, him and Luka are going to be the fan favorite. You, you got Russell West going to the Clippers and now the Clippers have a chance to do some things. You know what? None of them do. Because the Golden State Warriors are still the champs until somebody knocks them off and they get Steph Curry back here shortly. They've won three in a row. They've been playing extremely well. They jumped from, I think they were ninth to fifth because the West is so crowded and everyone is two to three games apart. By the end of this thing, Randy, they could be up to number two. You never know. And so... What I'm ha- sick of people hating on the Golden State Warriors. What do you have to do to be the man? You got to beat the man. Randy, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. I don't make the rules. I just abide by them, Rock. I ain't make that rule. I wondered for years, I'm like, man, why, why is everyone so annoyed by Warriors fans? They're a fun team to watch. I, I love the Warriors. It's because Kerry Davis was out there in the world just like always being like, why does no one give respect to this team that won three championships? Yeah, four. Four, Four. excuse me. Don't don't shortchange us. And and not in the bubble. Those are real four championships. Real championships. Mm -hmm. You count the ones with the ramp? They they won a ring, didn't they? Who is the who who is the team standing at the end? They got a banner up that says they were champs. Then say Kevin Durant. It says Golden State Warriors. I maintain they got less fun to watch when you join the team. Yeah. Just saying. Depends on if you like them winning or not, I guess. Yeah, that's true. They were running a lot before him. Uh, I'm sick of free balls and strikes given for clock violations in the MLB. I'm okay with the speeding up of the game, but to start with a 1-1 count is ridiculous. They will, the players will figure it out, but you have to teach them at some point, and that's what's happening in spring training, is they're learning an entirely new game. And they will. They'll, they'll figure it out, but sometimes you're going to have to get those players to, you're going to have to shake them up a little bit to get them to abide by the new rules. You are. 
Yeah, and and it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be some some adjustment that has to take place. Hmm? So it, it's part of part of sports. Everybody has to adjust, adapt. Um, and if you don't adapt, you well, who said it? If you don't adapt, you die. Well, who, who adapt said that? Uh, adapt or die. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, say that. there you go. Someone said it yesterday. We were listening. It was Can't about baseball, it and it was Buster Olney uh, on MLB, MLB Network. Um, or MLB Tonight, excuse me. Where'd it go? Oh, uh, take it or leave it. CD is saying that when it comes to bragging rights, Coach Gates is the man. I didn't say that. No, it's what you said, because he beat the man. So he yeah, is no, the man. I, were we ever? Uh, okay, whatever. I mean, I think it's. <laughs> I, I almost, think it's pretty, I almost put yeah, myself in a. I think in it's a pretty solid place. logic, Kerry. Uh, I'll take well, that. Well, I guess get here. Well, you know what? I like Coach Gates, so I'm not even going to say that. But if we, yeah, you know what? It's cool. It is what it is. Gates is cool. We're cool. Everybody's cool. Yeah, everybody. Kerry, you go ahead and untie yourself from that pretzel. I'm going to read another take it or leave it. Uh, I'm sick of these 70 degree days immediately followed by 45 degree days. My immune system can't take it I much more. I agree. I was so upset when I woke up this morning and I, it was 37 degrees. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, give me some consistency. If, I, if, if it's 70 one day, 65 one day, at, at least let it be 50. To drop down under 40 <laughs> is like, I was really cold this morning, and I'm not mm-hmm. a, a really cold it's person. 33 degrees. That's awful. It's awful. So, uh, a high of mind. 58 today. Yesterday was a glorious golf day here in St. Louis. But then Friday, you've got 45. Saturday, you've got 60. Sunday, you've got sunny and 63. Uh, and then... The range was packed. Was it? Yeah. Both two yeah. levels. Just yeah. absolutely packed. And then, uh, let's see, Sunday, seventy high of 72, low of 49. Monday, 72, low of 51. Tuesday, 71. Oh, that's, yes, that's Scottsdale. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Randy. Oh, really? Is that what we're doing? So you're just going to send us screenshots while you're, while you're out of town on vacation about the weather. And, and okay, I see what you did there. Cool. <laughs> wow, that was. I'm sick of when you let your friend borrow your car and they don't fill the gas tank up. That and, should never happen. Doesn't sound like a good friend to me. Nope. You always, when you borrow a car, you fill it up with gas. You borrow a lawnmower, you fill it up with gas. You always take care of the person that loaned you the thing. Somebody's got to bury a body and you need to borrow a shovel. You got to clean off the shovel. I don't. I don't. Did I, don't I just think, go there? I don't think you should. I don't think we should condone mafia style um, things happening here. I'm just I saw it in a movie. <laughs> First my college and my people. Just, you're showing one of the Archie Carey names. <laughs> Sick of it. Getting tired of everyone saying trade Pareko when he's going right. He's one of the best in the game. Why is he the scapegoat for a struggling team? Sick of it. It's because it's been a, number one. He's pretty. He's regressed. And yes, he still still does have a skill set. But the thing is, do you want to gamble on that skill set bearing fruits over the course of the next eight years? That's the issue, is that he signed through 2930. Yeah. And I think if you can move it, because right now he hasn't looked good for a couple of years, I think you have to be really concerned about what he's going to be in the future. We w- should note, by the way, that after the All-Star break last year, and he, he was terrible for most of last year, minus 16 at the break, but plus 16 at the end of the season. He went plus 32 after the All-Star break last year. 
But that was a different team, obviously. And with a team that's going to be young, with a team that's going to be inexperienced, I don't think that Colton Pareko is the guy to settle things down on the blue line for you. Do you think he's dealing with injuries? Could injury? I think he's probably injuries? got a bad back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at 29 and, and has, what's that, six more years left? Eight. Eight. No, six. 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 Yeah. yeah. To 29-30? Yeah. And that, that's going to be, you got a bad back at 29. You know how long he's had it? How long? About a week back. Okay. All right. I see what you did there. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that one. That's a rammer line. Oh, that's why I like it so much. It's one of my favorite people saying one of my uh, great jokes. I'm sick of watching losing hockey. I know we're in a quote-unquote retool, but this Blues team is unlike any other I've watched in my lifetime. Were you available? And uh, were you alive and watching hockey in 05, 06? Yeah, <laughs> 2004 down the stretch, they fired Q. I mean, like, well, because you got yeah. you, you got to be born, have a little bit of consciousness, yeah. and then you're watching the right. the, the fall apart right. after the lockout. Yeah, oh four, oh five, they don't play. That was pretty bad. And then they come back in oh five, oh six. They had traded Pronger. They had Manny Legacy. They, they it was just really bad, really, really bad. At least now with Thomas and Cairo, you think, okay, if these guys, you got to squint really hard, sure. But if these guys turn into the stars that their physical abilities would lead you to believe they can come, then you've got a chance. The Blues of 05, 06 didn't have any of that. Does does that plus minus that give you uh, a little worry, a little pause? Just to, It just to... does, but it also tells me the team's really bad. When you have three guys down yeah. there, it tells you the team is really bad. Or, or maybe just those three guys aren't. Maybe yeah, they're they scoring the, a lot of goals yeah, the, when they're the, on the ice. Yeah, the whole crew, they just... I mean, this is a team that is just... And they, they admit they aren't that good right now. Let's see here. The Blues as a group, and this isn't plus minus, but uh, they've been outscored by 37 goals this year. Uh, they've scored 183. They've allowed 220. And I think that's just who they are. They just they aren't that good. And so the goaltending has been fine, but... Part of the problem, I would think, with those guys is the defensemen. Mm-hmm. They're the biggest part of it, right? Those three guys, Krug, Shen, and uh, Kairou, are, are the three biggest reasons that they have such enormous minuses. But Ryan O'Reilly was right there with them when he got traded, and then all of a sudden O'Reilly's a big-time plus player with the, <laughs> the Leafs. The, the team you play for plays a role. Uh, thank you, Matthew. You got one more? Yeah, I do. I'm sick of athletes pouting when a team attempts to plan for the future oh, yeah. by bringing in young players. Any successful company is focused on successful planning. True team players should help develop younger players. Think Matheny with Yachty. Hard truth, Yachty and Aaron Rodgers haven't done the same. I would uh, challenge that person's text and say, well, don't have a problem when a player decides to do what's best for themselves. If, if Lamar Jackson doesn't want to play or because he's injured and, and doesn't want to risk not getting paid in the future, don't have a problem with it. If you have no issue with owners releasing players that are still under contract because they are still under contract, especially in football, and not get paid, then don't have a problem when that same player or another player who is still under contract doesn't want to go play until they get a new contract to make sure that they are solidified. We're looking at Tua Tungvaloa. They haven't decided to pick up his fifth-year option. Right. You know why? Because he got injured multiple times, concussed multiple times on the field, lights out. Mm-hmm. And there's not anyone that can tell you whether or not it's going to happen over and over again next year. So why would they be in such a rush to pay someone or even pick up a fifth-year option and have to pay him when they don't know what his future holds? You take care of yourself 
if the organization is not going to. And don't get mad at me or any player when they decide to take care of their business and put their business over the team. Okay, I'm going to take you behind the curtain here, okay? Uh, You walk into our office at 101 ESPN. It's the ESPN office, all right? So all three shows are in there. You've got in the very back, they always sat in the back because that's where they they (laughs) shot spit ones. But you've got the fast lane in the very back. And then BK and Ferrario. And then when you walk in, the first group of cubicles you see are ours. And the first one you see is mine on the right side. And we've got a Tua jersey and we've got a Miami Dolphins golf bag. Why? Well, because when Michelle and I started doing mornings, May 2nd of 2020, within the first month, we had the BLIS, Best Listeners in Sports, vote on the official the, the show team. And one of the teams was the Dolphins because Miami, uh, Michelle grew up a Dolphins fan. So the best listeners in sports voted for the Dolphins to be the official team of the show. Michelle isn't here anymore. We still have the Dolphins bag. Mm-hmm. It has come to my attention, Kerry Davis, that we can trade that Dolphins bag okay. in for a Steelers bag. <laughs> hey, now we're talking, Randy. Is that what we're doing? I think that's what we've done. Okay. Yeah, we, we, we are now Steelers fans. Uh, we are a Steelers show. You gonna, if you're going to choose a team, Randy, it should be one that is championship pedigree. Uh, that's, that's really Kerry good. Davis, i got to tell you something. Uh, my favorite people in the world, my best friends, are Steelers fans. There you go. They, they understand winning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They've been winning for a long time. Yep. Decades. That's, yep. that's really going to conflict with my Terrell Suggs jersey. Just don't bring it in. Don't wear it in here. Yeah, don't bring it in. It's all right. <laughs> I might forget and accidentally yeah. block you. I don't know. I saw <laughs> <laughs> so 55 in purple and I just reacted. <laughs> Thanks very much for your text. Coming up, how difficult is it for a 21 year old to not act 21? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The way a lot of teams do it now is they have the meetings about just football here in Indy and they get to know the players 
more from a character and personal standpoint away from here. This did not come up in any of the conversations, according to people I've spoken with, because they knew there were some character concerns with Jalen Carr, knew they needed to get to know him much better off the field before they were able to bring him into their building, but they simply did not know that he was involved in this incident. That's Ian Rappaport of NFL Network talking about George's Jalen Carter, expected to be a top-five pick in the NFL draft, and he has been charged with misdemeanor, reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed a teammate and a staff member at Georgia. The Athens... Clark County Police Department issued the arrest warrant obtained by the AP that alleges alleges that Carter was racing his 2021 Jeep Trackhawk against the Ford Expedition driven by the recruiting staffer, 24-year-old Chandler LaCroix, which led to the January 15th wreck. Jalen Carter was being a 21-year-old. He was racing. That happens. Well, not with every 21-year-old, but a lot of guys that have fast cars like to race and drive fast. Now, Should he have told teams that he was racing when this wreck occurred? Yes, but he's also, CD, a projected top five pick in the draft, and I'm sure was not thinking clearly and was being a 21-year-old and was trying to protect his status as a top five pick. Yeah, he he panicked and, and, you know, realized, I, I, I assume realized in the moment when the crash took place that that was the wrong place to be, the wrong thing to be doing, and it didn't. You know, it was it wasn't as much fun as they may have had while they were, you know, going back and forth. The end result was not the the result that he, any of them wanted, and so he panicked, I'm sure, and and drove away and left and had to come back. Um, this is a story that I sent to some of my well, sent to my entire team, and I told them, hey, this kid was a projected is a projected top five pick overall, and made a dumb decision. He may have done everything right in his life up until that point, but that one decision can impact your life and change it and alter it in a way that you may not be able to bounce back from. Now, you said it's a misdemeanor. Maybe he doesn't receive a, a stiff punishment, but the fact that you were involved in something and one of your teammates passed away, you know, a recruiting staffer passed away, and that's something that will never leave him. You know, that regardless of mm-hmm. if he's still p- picked in the top five, that part of him will always be with him. He will always have that memory tied to him, and he will always, you know, probably always think about you know, the loss of his teammate and his friend because it was something that didn't have to take place. And just being young, you know, I think there was alcohol involved. Maybe they had been drinking, left a bar, his, left a strip club. Uh, the, the gentleman who was driving, LaCroix, had a blood alcohol level of .197, more than twice the legal limit in Georgia. Yeah, she uh, she, she was the, the recruiting staffer that yeah. she was driving the the, the car and, and I guess they, they hit something or flipped and just got out of control and—, and Things like that happen, unfortunately. But like I said, this is something that is going to stay with Jalen Carter. No matter where he goes in life, this is something that he will always remember in a a moment of his life that you can't get back. You know, when you're involved in in something like that, something tragic like that, that sticks with you. And and so, you know, I'm I'm hoping that he's learned from his mistake. But here's the thing, Randy. We just saw this happen last year with Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. We we saw the the pretty much the same thing running drag racing speeding where he got in a car crash and someone died in his car and so you have instances where these things are taking place you just have to make good decisions and I will will say this to the end of time 
Good decisions are harder to make when there's alcohol involved. Yes. It is it is <laughs> you just tend to to choose differently when you are under the influence of of alcohol or drugs and sometimes, you know, if you if you can get someone else to drive you, make better decisions or don't be in those environments where you have feel like you have to be involved with with alcohol. Couple of things. Number 1, if there is any chance at all that you're going to be drinking, start the night with an Uber. Yes. Don't think you're going to end the night with yep. an Uber because drunk people think that they're fine. Yes. Right? They, yep. they, they get in the car. Here's the other thing, and I, I sincerely hope that Jalen Carter, who is going to play in the NFL, let's be honest, he's going to play in the NFL because he's a really good player and these are misdemeanor charges. But I hope that Jalen Carter uses his platform to tell young people what happened yes. on that night. Yep. Say, hey, I was involved in an accident where somebody died, and at the very least, they were drinking. Please go to high schools. Please, young people, don't drink and drive. Be careful right. and don't race your cars. And bring along a photo of the vehicle, of the person, the Ch- Chandler LaCroix's vehicle, uh, and try to make it as powerful as you can to try to convince young people to not make the same mistakes that he made at the age of 21. Yeah, like I said, because there were people that passed away in that in that mistake. And it's not something I, I, I am certain when they got in those cars, they did not have the intention of that taking place, but that was the end result. And I, as I told my kids, I said, things can happen when you make poor choices. Even if you feel like you're 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 okay, you're safe, things can still happen. So make good decisions as best as you can to avoid these types of situations because you never know what the outcome could be. And no one wants to deal with the loss of a friend, the loss of a teammate for the rest of their lives. It's something that, like I said, never goes away. My best friend died in a car accident in 2005, and I still think about the loss of my best friend. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that never, ever leaves you, and it's always going to be with you. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. The line is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. We need your text, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO. Tioli here on 101 ESPN. It's a big day, CD. It is a big day. It is my daughter's birthday, Madison Marie Davis. She is nine today. Happy birthday, honey. Daddy loves you. You are awesome. Super sweet, super kind. Just the best nine-year-old little girl you would ever meet. Well, here we go then. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Madison. Happy birthday to you. Love there you. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Carrie, yesterday as we were preparing our show for today in the office, we were watching the women's SEC tournament, and it was yep. compelling. And as it turns out, in the Kentucky-Florida SEC women's basketball game, mm-hmm. eight players were ejected after a brawl. Oh, yeah. 
Take it or leave it. You're more inclined to watch the <laughs> SEC women's tournament now. I, I take it. I, I would watch either way. Dawn Staley and the the South Carolina team are mm-hmm. awesome. They're great. They are. They are. You know, have been for a while. Uh, Leah Boston is is awesome. So I, I I definitely would be watching them. But if they're throwing chairs and fighting and brawling, <laughs> sign me up, brother. We gotta see I, this. It's just, it's just my thing. I don't know. I'm with you. I'm kind of into that. I like people getting after it a little bit. I'm taking it too. Randy, hey, Randy was really happy with his t- Tioli in, in in the break, and he didn't tell me what it was. You delivered. You delivered. <laughs> Much like Don Staley when she wore that Randall Cunningham yes, before the yes. uh, Super Bowl. That was clean. Hey, yeah. uh, Rock was talking about his multiple Ravens jerseys. He often wears purple. He is a a, a he likes purple. That's one of his favorite. Mm-hmm. Colors. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. He wears a Ravens jersey. I'm going to tackle him. I'll take that. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that wondering. is going to happen. It's going to happen. He, he he's not going to know it, but he's going to get tackled to the ground. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that. Take it or leave it. That Suggs jersey gives Rock the juice to overpower CD. Leave Let's it. Try it. Leave it. I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Uh, one other quick one for me. Got a uh, uh, note yesterday on the Twitter machine. Uh, from our friend Bob Underwood, who runs the uh, Football Cardinals, the Big Red underscore STL Twitter page. And he said, during our Dan Deardorff interview yesterday, I had to stop working because I was laughing so hard. Take it or leave it. You did, too. I did, too. I was it was that was hilarious. He was funny throughout. And and the parting shot, which he said I had to do because he would have done it to me. You know, it, it just speaks to how much he loved his, his teammate, his friend. And, you know, you got to you got to give your guys a, a little bit every chance you get. Yeah. And that you'll be able to hear the whole thing. Just go to one on one ESPN dot com or the one on one ESPN app. And it's brought to you by Dobbs Tyron Auto Centers and Listen to the Dan Deardorff interview, but Conrad has donated his brain to uh, the CTE study in, in at, at Harvard, and Dan said... That's the only time that Conrad Dobler's brain in Harvard will be mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do you got on the old text line? Um... Sorry, <laughs> take it or take it or leave it. It will be ten years before the Cards or Blues win another title. Leave, leave it. it. Cards are winning this year. Ten months. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. I mean, we, we talked about it the other day. They're going to score eight runs a game. Uh, you said ten. I said I brought it down just a little. Yeah, bit. I thought yeah. you said twelve. I said twelve. Yeah, because they scored eight, twelve the day before. Eight sounds uh, uh, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, eight runs per ten years is such a long time. I remember. Uh, uh, colleague of all of ours, Andy Strickland, in like 2015 was like, the Blues are going to win a cup in the eight, next eight years. And then he was like, see, I told you guys. And I was like, you can't you can't yeah. carp about that kind of prediction, man. It's an eight-year window. Right? I said they would Anything never win happen. one. I, I said I'd get a tattoo if they ever won well, one, was, and they did. I would suggest, we, what did we wait, 52 years? I, I, yeah, I, I would think that that's probably that was, 52. Yeah. That was a while. Hey, Randy, uh, take it or leave it. Rock is... is Actually excited that the Blues are going in the in this direction. It avoids and avoids getting this face tattoo that we talked yeah, I'll about. Yeah, take that. Na- okay, okay. <laughs> it, it was never a face tattoo. Just, just, wanna, just in case, by some weird thing, they win twenty games in a row and are the eighth seed and eventually uh, make the playoffs. It's not going to happen. But just in case, I just want to establish here on the record, it face was not tattoo. a face tattoo. It was not a, blue a face note. tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Right under the eye. Take it or leave it. This is the start of a three-year playoff drought for the St. Louis Blues. I'm going to leave that. Mm. I'm predicting that they're back in the playoffs in 2025. Not 2020. Okay. Well, not wait, next not, year. Not next year. Not next year. Yeah. Okay. Year after. Nah. Okay. They're going to do it like Chicago. Are, are sure. they? Are they? That means they're they're drafting well, and that mm-hmm. means they they've made some some trades or some off season signings, some free agent signings that 
that bring some players in that yes. are going to play well. And this is where, as much as we hated Doug Armstrong not giving Alex Petrangelo the no-move no contract, this is where the Blues will have an advantage in rebuilding. Because when Chicago gave Keith and Seabrook and Crawford and Taves and Kane, when they gave them those no-movement clauses, they were backed into a corner. They had Mm -hmm. to have those salaries on the books. The same thing happened with L.A., with Drew Doughty and Kopitar. Not not that Kopitar's a bad player, but they just financially backed themselves into a corner. The Blues, yes, they they have some bad contracts on the books, but the guys are tradable. They're movable, and they, they... well, are they? I mean, yeah. because we talked about Pareko. Is he is he tradable? Is he? If mobile? somebody will take him, that's I the thing. It, it, it didn't. The players had all the power in the I other situations. Okay. Vladdy had a no trade clause right. and, and got moved. So at least the Blues can do that, and the players don't have all the power. Take it or leave it. It's disrespectful from CD to mention the Warriors in the earlier segment and talk about all the West contenders, but somehow forgetting the best team in basketball and the best base basketball player in the world, soon to be t- three-time MVP Nikola Jokic. You're right. How many? I, I, I did forget. How many championships does he have? How many finals have they been? How many to? West Western Conference finals have he been to? Uh, one. Disrespectful. He lost. Disrespectful. Did he? Go to one? CD. Did he? I think he went to one of them. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, one of those did it. he win it? No, he did not. Okay, right. so 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 he's the best the player finals. in the world, but never came out of the West. Apparently, that's what nah, that's, that's, okay. that's well, saying. Then, then why do I need to talk about? I it? I do not have a burner from the six one eight. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> getting in front of that right now. Jokic is good. He's really good, but you know, it is what it is. All right, fair enough. Take it or leave it. The deal sending Chikrin to Ottawa was a very capable trade that Army could have made. I will take that. That's how they come across the scroll earlier. Yeah. And yeah, if everyone, you, I think everyone thought that when they saw the yeah. early returns. And, and if you were bother, if you are bothered by watching Colton Pareko every night, then why would you want Jacob Chikorin on your team? Well, I when I read the the kind of the the background, the bio of, or what he is, he sounds a lot like someone you already have. Yeah, hey, Kelly Rosen. You don't want to give him Kelly Rosen. Uh, Panger made the point. And, and what the Blues need, they need a foundational guy. They need a stud back there. And Jacob Chikrin is a really nice player. He was number one for a really bad team. I don't think that Jacob Chikrin, in my view of him, and the Blues have played against him a lot over the years, mm-hmm. I think he's a really nice player, but I don't think he's a number one for a champion. I'm, I'm going to lean on you and Panger's uh, uh, thoughts yeah. on this, and I would have to agree. And I was very glad that Panger validated what I thought. Now, you can be a really good defenseman, but you have to be a special defenseman. And we ran down that list. Last 20 Stanley Cup champions have all had a legit big-time number one. And I just don't think that he's that guy. Is he more? He's more offensive-minded than than defensive-minded. And and you need guys that are sound defensively and going to, you know, as you said, be the number one guy on that pairing to to help. The number two guy. And he's only 24. He might ascend to that mm-hmm. level because defensemen do take time to become their best, but I haven't seen it yet. Randy, I'm going to build a Teoli off of one of your Teoli answers earlier. So in that 2024-25 NHL season where the Blues return to the playoffs, take it or leave it, only one of Falk, Pareko, and Krug are still on the roster. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say two of them are. Really? Okay. Yep. yep. And, you know, maybe second pairing or maybe one of them is a third pairing guy, an expensive third pairing mm-hmm. guy. But I think that answer shows just how much we talk about the, the, the all those contracts. But if you just shed one of those six and a halves, it opens up so much of yeah. the cap room. Makes and, a and, huge and, a lot and the cap options. will go up, too. 
Yes, it is finally going to start going up, yep. and maybe this year you're not going to get dinged for some weird violation. Exactly. Right. That'd be, that'd be beneficial for the Blues to actually have yep. a million to play with. Yep, you got one more? Uh, yeah, take it or leave. Justin Falk has the best mustache in sports. Leave it. Wow. Do you have a, do you have a contender to, to put on the table? <laughs> uh, uh, there, there are multiples. Um, I think, and, and not it's to take a any, leaf pitcher, yeah. just to like buy. Yeah, like, not, yeah, not like, to take anything away from Falk. Uh, actually, Aaron Rodgers is right there with Falk. I, I was, was going to say Aaron Rodgers is the one that came to my mind. Yeah, like his whole Nicholas Cage uh, look when he came into training camp. He, he was. Uh, I, I would take that. Yeah, when uh, when Michaelis has it going. And he hasn't had it for a year or so now. But Michaelis has a, a really nice flow going with his mustache, too. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line. You can text us throughout the course of the show. Coming up, what's the problem with the Blues power play? And can it be fixed under these current circumstances? That's next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Yeah, they're not passing it very well. They're not seeing it. You know, they're just not seeing the, they're not seeing the plays, and we miss a net. Like we get some good opportunities, but we're missing a net. But the passing's got to be better, and they, we just got to see it. We're not seeing it right now, and, I, and it hit the net. That is the Blues head coach, Chief Craig Berube, talking about the Blues power play, which is O for its last 22. They'll try to turn that around tonight as they visit San Jose. 8.30 pregame, 9.30 faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And Berube was asked the other night after the Blues reached O for 22 whether or not he sees any progress on the power play. Well, it's O for 22, so not really any progress. We're working on it, though. Keep working on it. Kerry... This goes back to the talent level. When you not, not that Vladimir Tarasenko was electrifying on the power play this year, but when you trade a Tarasenko, you trade an O'Reilly. Those are two guys coming off of your number one power play unit. You'd lost David Perron from last year's team, too. That's a lot of power play talent that has walked out the door and really hasn't effectively been replaced. Yeah, they um <clears throat> when you watch when I watch them in comparison to other teams, they seem a little stagnant on the power play like 
it's almost pass to pass. It's not a lot of movement, a lot of guys moving in front of the net. And it, it doesn't feel like they get the puck in front of the net very often. That that to me feels uh, as as part of the reason why they're not scoring goals. I, I you know, Randy, I'm not a again, I, I've never played hockey a day in my life, but I think if you get closer to the net, the shots become a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal opinion. Kind of like if you're in basketball, the closer you are, the better chance you have of putting it in the hoop. I, I would like to see them get a little bit closer, get some get some passes, you know, closer to the net to get those shots in. But I, I don't see a lot of a lot of that and a lot of movement. I just see a lot of guys passing it around the perimeter and not really taking the opportunities. And then there are times when you can have that one-timer. I think Pareko did a pretty good job in the last game of taking that slap shot when it was given to him, when it was afforded to him. He, I think that was one of the things that we've been talking about all season, wanting him to do. I thought he did a pretty good job of doing that last game. But I, I would like for them to get more shots on goal. Even if it doesn't go in, you get rebounds, you're right there in front of the net with an opportunity to put it back in. Those are the things that I think would help them. Kerry, I'm looking for a player on the team that on the power play – has the ability to get his skates, the ability and desire to get his skates into the blue paint. Mm -hmm. And I don't see anybody on this roster where I say, okay, that's the guy. That's a Pat Maroon who's just Mm -hmm. really tough to move. Saad might be the best guy, 215 pounds, but he's really not that player. I don't think the Blues have a legitimate power forward now that they can put in front of the goalie like I said, have his skates in the blue paint yeah. and be that guy that you're talking about that's really close to the net. Have the puck bounce off his yeah. butt for a goal. Yeah, just be an irritant just in the way of of the goaltender. Like I said, I feel like they're outside a lot and it's mm-hmm. harder to get in if you don't <laughs> skate in there and actually at, at times brute force your way in and try to make a make a play to get on in on the net. That's the thing that I've seen, and it just seems really stagnant at times. It's not; it's just a lot of passing around and not really taking an opportunity to get to the net and get a shot. One issue the Blues have is that their best shooter, Jordan Cairo, is part of this 0 for 22. So the Blues had a guy in his first game with the team that they claimed off waivers. It's it wasn't a trade; they claimed Kasperi Kapanen off waivers, and in his first game with the team. Kairu's out and Kapanen's in. Just because I wanted to switch it up. It wasn't working, so I wanted to try a different look. So that's all. That is a problem. Randy, that's, I- a, uh, he, that's a problem, <laughs> A, that Kairu is out, and B, maybe even more alarmingly, replaced by a player that is in his first game with your team and probably has not practiced on the power play with you. I, I often give you coach speak. Like, mm-hmm. I can hear it in, in coaches' voices, what they're saying, what they're not saying, but what they're actually telling you. He's frustrated. Oh, yeah. He's he's frustrated with Kairu yeah. and, and, and bothered that a young man – this is the thing, Randy. I, I, when you have players that have so much talent, we played the game. Baruby played the game. He would have given a lot to be as talented as Kairou is on the on the hockey ring. He, he just, I mean, we we understand that when you have a guy that God blessed you with so much talent, but maybe not the same amount of work ethic that I had to put in, that Baruby had to put in. It it becomes. Very frustrating to see a guy so talented but not willing or able to give the effort that you had to give with not nearly as much talent. And 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 understand the success you've had, he should have 10 times that amount of success because he's probably 10 times more talented. Those are the things that as coaches, it, it frustrates us beyond measure because – we know what it takes to have the career, to have the success, to be a champion, to do all of the things that you say you want to do. 
God took you more than half of the way and you're just not allowing everything else to take place and take hold to, to be the greatest player you can be. Okay, so you're a coach. You've got a player that is eminently highly skilled but doesn't try hard, is 23 years old, and is going to make $8 million a year for each of the next eight years. How Bad do you position. convince that player that if he gives maximum effort, he can be even better and the money's still going to be there. You know, he knows the money's going to be there. How do you convince that player to try hard all the time? You can't. It has to be something in you. It has to be something where I am chasing something that is greater than money, that is greater. I'm chasing something to, to, to be one of the best players that has ever played the game. There's no amount of money that you can put on that. That is just something internal that is in me, a force that, that is driving me every single day. And if you don't have that, 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 thing in you to be able to go do that it's going to be hard for anyone a coach a teammate a friend a father a mother to put that in them if it's not already instilled it's kind of a scary thought it is it, the truth you cannot especially when someone is extremely talented and they are not working and they haven't had to they've been able to kind of coast and do it their mm-hmm. way their entire career and then they get paid if it's not already in them you're wasting your time trying to wait for them to pull it out. So now Kasperi Kapanen has worked with our buddy Robert Thomas. Did he like what he saw? It's a little tricky sometimes. You guys are obviously looking at different things in the different spots all the time. And I think with him, it actually went really well. You know, he's played with some some great players over the years. And, you know, he obviously is a great player. So it was, it was pretty cool last night. I think we, we found each other well. And, um, you yeah, know, I missed him on a couple of chances that uh, probably would have been in the back of the net. So, you know, I thought the game went really well. And, yeah, I think he, he'll fit in great with our team. Kapanen showed flashes uh, the other night that he made a, a play where he was, you know, on the break and spun around, took a shot. He had a, a shot where he kind of picked his stick up and didn't let the, the defender knock his stick off and got another shot on goal. He showed some things, you know, the other night that you were like, whew. This is good. You can when you can see the difference in 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 style of play or or just kind of that playmaking ability. That tells you a lot. We know what Jordan Cairo has. He has the ability. But here's the difference between Cairo and 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 Kapanen. Kapanen got released. He got mm-hmm. cut. He got removed from a team. And he's looking at this like, well, hell, I can play hockey. Why the hell did they get rid of me? I'm going to do everything I can to not let that ever happen again. And this is the thing with young players that I, I've told when, when the rookies came into Pittsburgh, uh, our, our player uh, personnel guy would have me talk to the rookies. And I would tell them, hey, you a first round pick? That doesn't mean you're going to be here forever. That doesn't mean you you have to make plays, sir. You're a second round pick. We The Steelers cut a second round pick after one year because you're not making plays. That's Six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars that they just said, you know what, the hell with it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not making the plays, if you're not improving or producing, you will not continue to play. And that doesn't mean, you know, if if you're Jordan Cairo or or a player of that magnitude, you might still be playing, but it might be somewhere else. And you'll still get paid, but you might be somewhere else. And so, you know, those are the things that when you're a professional athlete, if you're not taking care of your business, eventually your business will take care of you. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101, or that's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head into the Blues booth. Our buddy John Kelly will join us from San Jose next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and as we do every Friday Eve, aka Thursday, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk to our friend John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues on Bally Sports. JK, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Everything's good. A, a long day in San Jose, leading up to a 9:30 St. Louis time start, and two teams that are kind of in the same boat, aren't they, John? Yeah, it's really, um, in a way, it's hard to believe, Randy. They met in the Western Final four years ago and, of course, also met in the Western Conference Final back in 2016. And, you know, things have really changed, especially for the Blues in the last month or so. And, you know, Randy, looking at the rosters, there are only 11 players total that are still on both the Blues and Sharks that played in the final in 2019 in the Western Final. Six on the Blues and five on the Sharks. And that was four years ago. <laughs> so it's really changed a lot. It's crazy. Hey, John, the Blues are 0 for 22 uh, in their last six games since the O'Reilly trade. Is it as simple as the loss of O'Reilly, or is it something more than that? Well, yeah, it's more than that. I mean, they also, don't forget, lost Tarasenko, right, who played a lot of the power plays for the Blues or, you know, all of the power plays on, on the number one power play unit. Uh, but, you know, having said that, they still have a lot of good players. And, you know, unfortunately, Cairo is now in a season-long um, goal drought, hasn't scored in, in, in a few games. And, and, you know, Robert Thomas, I think, had a better game the last game at a shorthanded goal. But, you know, the biggest thing is, obviously, when your top players are struggling, it's going to affect the power play. So, to me, when that happens, you need to simplify it and try to put more pucks on the net and go to the net and, and maybe not, you know, pass as much, quite quite simply. So, I think that's the biggest thing is is they, they have good puck movement and they have good players out there. But maybe when you know lose some top players and you are struggling, it's time to simplify things. And, John, it's really amazing because we are such a statistically driven sports fan society. But it is a shame that people don't realize, I wouldn't think, how good Jordan Bennington has been because he really has been unbelievable this year. Yeah, I think that except for maybe a, a couple of weeks, um, you know, I'm not sure if it was November or December he, when he was off as a game of bed, he, he has been fantastic. And, you know, especially in those last couple of games, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, he faces 21 shots in the first period. And, you know, the Blues go to overtime. And um, the last game he played well uh, last week against Vancouver. So I think overall he has been fantastic he has the most starts in the national hockey league this year so he's been a workhorse goaltender and i think that it's been i would call it um a bounce back year for jordan biddington because last year he certainly struggled especially um for long periods in the middle of the season now i know he found his game at the end and you know played well down the stretch and then came came into the playoff series i think game four against minnesota and was fantastic before he got hurt 
but I would call this um, a really great bounce back year for Jordan Bennington. Hey, John, when I was looking up the stats the other day, they have three blues who are uh, 741, 742, 743, and, and 743 hockey players this season in plus minus. They are the bottom three. Uh, that's Krug, Shen, and Kairou. Do you take much – what is your thoughts about that, and does that mean anything to you in, in terms of the plus minus, or is it just they're not playing well, hot, good hockey right now? Well, I think it certainly reflects on the team. And last year, the Blues were 11th best in goals against average. And this year, I think they are 28th or so. So whenever you're you know, that low on the totem pole as far as goals against, somebody's on the ice for a lot of goals. And obviously, it usually impacts the top players. So you know, I do think that fans have to understand that plus minus is a bit misleading because the, the top players play against the other team's top players. And, you know, the bottom, you know, six players, the forwards or whatever, uh, they're not on the ice um, as much against top players. And the same with the, the top beat pairings. You know, a guy like Callie Rosen is a great example. He, he's the Blues plus minus leader. And no offense to Callie, but you wouldn't say he's their best defenseman. But he's their plus minus leader. So that's an example of where it can be misleading. Now, having said that, a player like Pareko certainly has not had as good a year as, as the Blues expected. And, you know, I think he's had a lot of good games. And, and you know, I think some fans are, are too hard on him. But he, he has not had a, a great season. And the, the plus-minus reflects that. So, uh, again, you, you have to put some stock in it, but it can be misleading. John, what do you think it is with Pareko? Is it just a matter of consistency? Like you say, he's, he's had good games, he's had bad games. Is it just a matter of him putting things back together? Because we have obviously seen it from him before. Well, you know, he was a great shutdown defenseman in the 19 playoffs, Randy with Jay Bowmeister. They were a fantastic pair. Um, you know, I think he's healthy. I know that a couple of years ago, you know, going into the bubble that he had COVID, and then the year after that, his back really bothered him. Um, the year the Blues got swept by Colorado, that was two years ago. Um, but as far as I'm, you know, aware, he is healthy. You know, in watching him play, Randy, the biggest thing to me – with Colton, really two things stand out. At times, he, he's too lackadaisical and isn't intense enough. And I mean, you know, in front of his own goal, you know, checking the other player and, you know, checking the other player's stick and, and you know, taking the body. And, you know, I think fans want him to run over players and be nasty and mean like Chris Pronger. That's not in his DNA. But that doesn't mean he can't be harder on players in his defend, defensive zone. And I think the other thing in watching him play – you know, when he has the puck, he, te- he seems to be more hesitant at times than he, he has been in the past. In other words, not making the first play hard. And sometimes he hangs on the pucks too long and gets himself in trouble. So I think those are the two areas that I see that, that I think he has seen, you know, his game slip in, in the last season or so. Hey, John, uh, can you talk about Kasperi Kapanen? He showed some flashes uh, the other night. What can we expect from him? Well, I thought he played well. He played 19 minutes in, in change and had four shots on goal and was only playing about 12 minutes a night in Pittsburgh. So, And also was a healthy scratch for a lot of games in the last month or so. So to come into a new team, and I thought he meshed well with Robert Thomas, and, and they had some chances, and he himself you know, really should have had a couple of goals. I, I, his best play was that spinorama chance he had. I think it was in the third period. So I thought you know, the first, you know, um, opinion of him is that he played well and, and 
he came as advertised. He, he's, a, he's a guy that can skate well and has good skill, and I thought he did skate well and had some good chances. So I think it was a good first impression from Kapanen. And, uh, John, let's talk about some of the guys the Blues have traded. Uh, a vintage goal from Tarasenko last night for the Rangers in overtime made a great move on Ristolainen to score the winner for the Rangers. Yeah, I was watching the game while we were having dinner. I also had a couple of assists, so he had a three-point night and was the, the, you know, the best player on the ice. I think now he has scored three goals with the Rangers. Um, also watched Ivan Barbashev for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, he's playing with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault and has has really played well in the couple of games. They did win last night after getting shut out um, by Colorado a couple nights ago. But, you know, good for him. And, and obviously I didn't see O'Reilly's game last night. They lost in Edmonton. Um, but obviously he had a hat trick last week. So, yeah, these former Blues, uh, we knew they were good players, Randy and Kerry, and obviously they're they're all off to good starts with their teams. And Ryan O'Reilly, 72% in the faceoff dot already for Toronto. He says, hey, I know if I get thrown out, I can be more aggressive because Tavares is coming in, and he's just been dominant in the faceoff dot for Toronto, and we've seen that before. Yeah, we've seen it before. He He really wasn't quite as good in the first half of this season. Randy, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but... I think when he left, he was around 53 4% with the Blues. Um, but obviously, his numbers are much better. Um, he's always been a great face-off man, so it doesn't surprise me. He's off to such a good start, although I don't think those numbers are really attainable over the long term. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, Randy. We'll see. J.K., we'll be tuned in tonight. Thanks so much for the time. We always like talking to you. By the way, are you going to get out and spend some time outdoors in San Jose? Uh, well, we have the game today, obviously, and morning skate coming up, and then we go to Santa or L.A. tonight and have an off day tomorrow. So we'll enjoy some sunshine tomorrow in Southern California. Sounds great. Thank you, John. Okay, thank you. See you later. That's our friend, the voice of the St. Louis Blues on Ballet Sports and a uh, Parkway Hall of Famer, John Kelly on oh, 101 ESPN. you guys. Just yeah. Parkway Hall of Fame in it. Parkway, Parkway North guy, J.K., okay. They're the Vikings? Vikings, yep. Okay. So J.K. graduated in 78. Steve Savard graduated in 80. Or no, yeah. I graduated in 80. Steve Savard graduated in 80, 82. So, uh, yeah, we we did okay there at Parkway there's, North with, with the broadcasting business. Yeah, there's two there. or three teachers out of Parkway North that, that we had that had to have all three of you across those, like, five, six-year stretch. And yeah, I just, I, I just want to hear, I, yeah, I wanna hear some stories of, of what the broadcasters <laughs> were like in high school. I don't think I was memorable. Because I know how uh, I was in high school. Oh, you, you were probably mm. memorable. Randy for maybe a different reason like you know you, you remember the good kids you remember the bad kids the the middle of the road kids you're just like eh, maybe yeah. not too much but yeah. if you were in class doing your sports talk radio thing in middle of class it not did happen attention. it did happen yeah, there you go. I was told that it happened <laughs> I remember I remember my sophomore year betting my teacher on who was going to win defensive player of the year in the NBA that yeah. year and I, I was right it was Marcus Camby called Teachers it called probably it probably shouldn't be uh, betting students it was not, for not. it was it was for like a you know a, a, you know like they we would sell candy for like oh, these like okay. charity drives mm-hmm. and I, he was like I'll give you I'll give you one bag of chips for free if you if you're right and I, I was I was right yeah. but I'm just saying that's so that's, this what, is, I, this that's is, what I was doing in high school this is when eventually got into this is when the rock uh, uh, just the basketball, you know, the knowledge took off. That's when I started. That's that's. I mean, yeah, I, I became an NBA fan around like 2006. So you're 100 percent that you were right, huh? He's 100 <laughs> percent. The fight is coming your way next. Oh God, no. Uh. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm you mean the fight that was a 4-3 win yesterday? <laughs> I'm one of his feet. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today for the second day, Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing today? Hey, Kerry Davis, good yourself? I'm doing well. How how did that win feel yesterday? It was a that well, according to Rock, it was a four three win because I think Rock messed up the question. But I've accepted the feat. So so really, he got the jack, and you didn't give him the the call. Well, I mean, he doesn't get the call if he gets the jack. He oh, still okay. just gets glory when he wins. Okay, which he did get. I did not he see did. that part. All right, he did I'm win. Just checking. He, he got, still would have won four he got, three. He got four three. Yes, not three two. Yes, he got four three. Your... That is the correct. The correct. The numbers have been changed in the standings mistake. forever in history. When you go to. Uh, uh, the opening drive reference.com, it, it'll have the correct standing when, when Kevin beat Randy for three. We need to have a poll. No, we need to no. have that up so we can keep track. No, we don't. Here we do. No, we all don't. right, Kevin, how, how, how are you feeling today? How did that win feel? Uh, when getting all four correct, you, you did a great job yesterday. Are you ready for today? I am today. Yeah, I did some photo ops yesterday. Okay. Some autographs. Okay. You know, tried to, took the kids out of public school, put yeah. them in a private school, oh. things like that. Man of the people, I see. I know they were clamoring. We couldn't wait to get you back on. Here we go. All right, Kevin. Despite the incredible run by UCLA, John Wooden doesn't hold the record for most Final Four appearances by a coach. With 13 appearances, who is number one on the list? Is it Tom Izzo, Mike Krzyzewski, or Dean Smith? Uh, let's go with Coach K. All right. Happy birthday to Ron Gant. Prior to his three-year run with the Cardinals, for which NL Central team did Ron Gant play one season? Was it the Chicago Cubs, the Pittsburgh Reds, or the Cincinnati Reds? Cincinnati Reds. Big Ben Roethlisberger might hold one of the most unbreakable records in the NFL, going undefeated in his rookie year. How many wins did he rack up in 2004? Is it 11, 13, or 15? 11. And today is the anniversary of Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game, playing for the Philadelphia Warriors in a home game in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Which Eastern Conference team did he bludgeon that night? Was it the Chicago Packers, the Syracuse Nationals, or the New York Knicks? So with the uh, New York Knicks. All right, we'll double-check your score and bring in Randy Carricker. How you feeling today, Kevin? Uh, not, not too shabby. Not too Just shabby. The the paparazzi not not blinding you with all the cameras from the pictures you're you've having to take, right? No, my security detail keeps them pretty at a far distance. They've so. been keeping them off of you. Okay, that's good yeah. to know. Uh, you you become a superstar overnight, and it is all because of what you did yesterday on the fight. Randy, say hello to Kevin. Kevin, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. Hey, Randy, you're not mad at me. You're mad at Rocky. <laughs> that's exactly right. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Randy. Kevin said he's had paparazzi. He, he's had his security detail keep all of the fans away from him. He's ready for today. I would guess that, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> you just have to be fighting him off after yes. a spectacular effort like yesterday. Indeed. All right, Randy, here we go. Yes. 
Despite the incredible run by UCLA, John Wooden doesn't hold the record for most Final Four appearances by a coach. With 13 appearances, who is number one on the list? I believe that is Coach K. They were in it pretty much every year. Yeah, it was annoying. Happy birthday to Ron Gant. Prior to his three-year run with the Cardinals, for which NL Central team did Ron Gant play one season? So when Jim Bowden was the general manager of the Reds, he did a great job of bringing guys in for one year, and then they would take off as free agents. But he would get really valuable single years out of him. He actually did that with Eric Davis, who we were talking about a few yep. years ago. He was started with the Reds, went to Detroit, took a year off, came back with the Reds. Uh, Ron Gamp played a year with the Reds in the, that little ballpark and hit a bunch of home runs and then came to the Cardinals. And then, as Tony said, whiff, whiff, whiff. That's all he did. <laughs> Tony kind of ripped him. Oh, man. All right, Randy. Big Ben Roethlisberger might hold one of the most unbreakable records in NFL history, going undefeated in his rookie year. How many wins did he rack up in 2004? 2004 rookie year. I think that his victory total was tied by Dak Prescott in Dak's rookie year. And I think it was 13. I think Ben had the record and Dak went 13 and 3. I think Ben might have gone 13-0. First start, Monsoon in Miami on a Sunday night game on TV. It does that in Miami from time to time. Actually, if it was an NFL game, yes, it was on TV. (laughs) But I remember the rain. It was was a a hurricane that they were playing in. Mm. And, And Big Ben got his first start in one. In 2004, the NBA, the NFL wasn't like the NBA in 1976. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, that's that's good to know. I was going to say I was really, really confused. Uh, Randy, today is the anniversary of Will Chamberlain's 100-point game, playing for the Philadelphia Warriors in a home game in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Which Eastern Conference team did he bludgeon that evening? Bludgeoned. There's a photo of him right there with a, a 100 on the basketball, right? I believe it was against the New York Knicks, Matthew. So yesterday, after an edit, we did have somebody who hit the jack in the fight yesterday. It was a big win when he hit the jack. We had another fighter hit the jack in today's fight. So the question is, who hit the jack and who's the winner? Does Kevin roll on to a Hall of Fame opportunity? Or does Randy get the title back for a Friday matchup against a new fighter? Ring that Bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. Kevin, I'm so sorry you got three correct, but unfortunately, Randy was the one who got the jack today, so it's a 4-3 loss. That is an incredible effort to get seven right across eight and two runs. Great job today, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's Thank go. you. Great Let's job, Kevin. Go through all those answers. It is, in fact, Mike Krzyzewski who sits atop the list with 13 different appearances to the Final Four. Like Randy said, they did it almost every year. Happy birthday. In, in fact, he has he's the only one who has a Final Four appearance in four different decades, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2000s, uh, 20, uh, 2010, 2020, oh, five decades, excuse me, five decades, excuse me. Um, Big Ben, or happy birthday to Ron Gant. He played with the Cincinnati Reds for one season and what a reclamation project he was. Missed the entire year prior to that. Came back with the Reds and then got his big contract with the Cardinals. And 
Obviously, he did great. And he's doing news now. I was talking to Brian Jordan. He's like a morning news guy in Atlanta. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? He's, still... He does like what Maurice Drummond wow. or Ready Not Do here. He start cool. off as a sports guy and then and then kind of work his way yep. through? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Good for him. Yeah, he's like the Michael Strahan of Atlanta. Oh, uh, happy birthday to Kerry's quarterback, Big Ben Roethlisberger. He has one of the most unbreakable records. It was 13 straight that he won, and he did, in fact, go 13-0 and in that 2004 season when he won Rookie of the Year. There it is. Thank you very much, uh, Randy. And the, popcorn, Randy. In the anniversary of Will Chamberlain's 100-point game for the Philadelphia Warriors in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and it was, in fact, the New York Knickerbockers who he dropped 100 right on their heads. But a 4-3 win for Randy. Kevin, again, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight these past two days. Thanks, Thanks guys. It's just back to my mundane life now. Uh, sorry about that, Kevin. Good job, though. You had your 15 minutes. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Matthew. Yes. Oh, I don't like that. God, what's about to happen? Will you oh, no. Kind of a big deal. Uh, so that's what it feels like. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. I never, I never experienced that before, huh? <laughs> Just here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't feel good. <laughs> Don't feel good. <laughs> oh, Rock. You know, it's so hard. Hey, I will give you this, Rock. It is hard on you because. No matter what, you kind of get the short end of the stick. Uh, you know, I, so I always salute you, so, sir. And, and I salute Kevin because somebody yesterday <laughs> texted in on our text line, 314-399-9646, and said, Randy is a sore loser. And I responded. I said, well, if you like losing, I don't want you on my team. Of course I'm a sore loser. However, I would not have been such a sore loser yesterday had I known that Kevin got the jack he did. and had four. I Because I'm outside. I don't hear what's going on. I thought that we were in in the midst of a tie, and I thought yes. it was going to have to be a justice for Randy situation. No, it clearly was, it wasn't. He, you all both got the answer uh, correct, yeah. I, I guess. So that's why we yes. had that's why we had the controversy yesterday. Yes. And you know what? Because Kevin, he did so great, and I didn't play it for him when he did it. Here you go, Kevin. This was, this one's for you retroactively from Wednesday. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Man hit the jack for a win. It was big. There you go. And Kevin, this is for you too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, cron- hey, hey, cron- hey, chronologically hey, hey. Randy, <laughs> listen, you, this man loves Sleep. to win. <laughs> calm, calm down, Chris Carrie. Kyle, my lord. Carrie, even better, I hate to lose. There you go, there's a difference. <laughs> you hate losing more than you love winning. You're going to be a champion in life, people. <laughs> hey, is there a version of Kasperi Kapanen that... We can see in the last 22 games, it makes him really attractive for next year. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I thought he meshed well with Robert Thomas, and they had some chances, and he himself, you know, really should have had a couple of goals. His best play was that spinner Emma chance he had. I think it was in the third period. The opinion of him is that he played well and, and 
he came as advertised. He, he's a he's a guy that can skate well and has good skill, and I thought he did skate well and had some good chances. So I think it was a good first impression from Kapanen. That's John Kelly on the new Blues forward, 6'194 pound, Kasperi Kapanen, who's only 26 years old. And Kerry has actually had a couple of decent seasons in the NHL. He had a 20-goal season, his first real full season in the NHL with Toronto in 2018-2019. 20 goals, 24 assists for 44 points. Has not approached those numbers since. But if he could do something like that, we've got a quarter of the season left. Mm -hmm. If he can be a guy that scores five, six goals for the Blues uh, and goes to the net and can perform on the power play and maybe even on the PK, that'd be somebody that I would think the Blues would be pretty enthusiastic about bringing back next year. Yeah, and at what $3 million right Mm -hmm. now, which is not obviously not a lot, he, uh, I said yes, I said Earlier today, John Kelly, he he showed flashes of someone that you think could be really special. He 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 made some plays that were eye popping, and you're like, oh, we haven't really seen anything like that so far this year. So hopefully, he can eventually get a couple of them in the net, gain some more confidence, get more confidence with the lines and the guys that he's playing with. Um, you know, we talked about talked to Robert Thomas about him and just being. First time out there, there are a couple of passes that may have gone off his stick or or didn't hit in the right spot. So they'll work those things out, and and you know hopefully you have a, a goal scorer that can put the puck in the net. And if he's going to be on the power play, they are over twenty two. So somebody's got to got to break it open at some point. And that's the thing, Kerry. When you're playing with Matthews and Marner and Tavares, and you're a forward in Toronto, you aren't getting a lot of ice time Mm -hmm. during power play. When you're playing with Crosby and Malkin and Rust and that gang in uh, in Pittsburgh, you aren't getting a lot of power play time up front. This is a golden opportunity for him. The most ice time he's ever averaged in the league was with Toronto when he scored the 20 goals. He averaged 16.37 a game. Since then, he's dropped down to about 12 minutes a game in the last couple of years with the Penguins. I would think that Given ice time, if if he can be a 17-, 18-minute-a-game guy, and there's a reason, by the way, that you don't get the ice time because you aren't performing up to the level that's expected of you, but if if whatever needs to happen happens here, I think that he can be a, a valuable piece of property for the Blues. Do I expect him to become a replacement for David Perron or Vladimir Tarasenko? No, mm-hmm. but... If I could get a top six forward that scores twenty goals on Thomas's right side or left side, I'll I'll take it. You, you talked about the amount of time being around twelve minutes. He got nineteen minutes the other night, mm-hmm. which, like you said, the more opportunities, the more time you get on the ice, the more opportunities you have to score. I, I like what I saw from him yesterday. I don't think we had you know high expectations. A guy that got waived from from Pittsburgh, you're thinking maybe he's you know that. A, a bottom, you know, three or four t- line type of guy, but he come up, and he came up and showed that he has some flashes and some ability. And as I said earlier, one of the things that happens when you are cut, you realize, oh, this is a it, this business is about making plays and producing. And so every opportunity that I get to make a play, I'm going to have to make a play. And I think you know sometimes that fire gets lit up under you, and you just realize. I'm just going to go. You, you you realize what you didn't do in other places, and now you should do here. And sometimes, especially when you're a number one pick and you get all the money and you think you're good at yeah. the age of 21, you really aren't as good as you think you are, sometimes it takes guys a few years to realize, okay, to be as good as I can possibly be, I need to work a lot harder than I've worked before. Now, it would have been nice to have him play 
a little bit with Ryan O'Reilly so that he could see the work ethic that O'Reilly has and the work that he put into his game. But hopefully Kapanen will find that level here. And if he doesn't, it's no big loss. It was a waiver claim. What's the what salary? The three point two. Three point two. Yep. So no big loss if you don't have him. And hopefully next year in a free agent year, he'll be a guy that's highly motivated and will be able to to help the Blues out. I think it's a no lose situation yeah. for the Blues. One thing I don't know about him: a couple of years ago when the Blues signed Mike Hoffman, he was such a force on the power play because of the one timer. And David mm-hmm. Perron was a great one timer guy. Here's a right handed shot. I'll be interested to see if the Blues line him up in the dot to the right of the goalie and see if he can fire that one-timer, because that's something that the Blues are sorely missing right now, is the ability just to fire it past the goaltender off of the pass. Yeah, I, like we somebody has to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it. Someone has to be, you know, uh, more of a presence in front of the net, and if uh, Kapanen can get that shot off and take that one-timer, and hopefully, if not, if it doesn't go in, someone gets the rebound. You have to be there, though, to get that rebound and punch it back in. And another thing, one one other note about Kapanen, whose dad, Sammy, played in the NHL, and I don't know what his demeanor is, but man, you look up and down this lineup, and you've got Braden Shen, who really does a great job of leading by example. And I know that they want Robert Thomas to be a leader, mm-hmm. but I don't know who the leaders of this team are. If you're going to have a young team next year, I think that's one thing they need to bring in, unless Kapanen is that sort of player. They need a forward with some leadership ability, some somebody that's willing and able to hold players accountable. Yeah. You need that. You need that someone in that locker room to do that. I think Robert Thomas, you know, based on our conversations we had with him last week after the comments of Baruby came out, I thought that was a step in the right direction of what a leader sounds like, what a leader looks like. So I think he's, you know, poised to be that guy um, because he's he's been here. He's 23, but he's a veteran on the team. He's been here. For a long time, he's won a championship, so he knows what it takes, and he's been been taught by players that have been here what it takes to be a be a champion and be a leader of this Blues organization. I think that's Robert Thomas. I don't know if you need to go out and get someone else for that. They just have to start, you know, holding everyone accountable. Whether it's your best friend, whether it's your your you know not the the closest guy on the yep. team, you have to be able to hold everyone accountable. And as a leader, that is an uncomfortable conversation sometimes, and that. That can can break friendships or break bonds if if guys aren't doing their job the way that it needs to be done. And his best friend on the team is number twenty five. There you go. So that that's the first guy you need to hold accountable. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up here on one hundred and one ESPN, a lot of rules changes in baseball. And yesterday we talked about the rules changes, and we got a lot of questions. Well, we kind of have the answers. We'll give them all that we can to you. If you have a question about the new rules in baseball, text in right now, 314-399-9646, and we're going to answer everything we can about the rules changes for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's big thing. It's 9.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Kerry Davis is here, Super Bowl champ. I'm Randy Carricker, And we have new rules changes for 2023 in Major League Baseball. We have the new pitch timer, 15 seconds 
are allotted for a pitcher to pitch with the bases empty from the time he receives the ball. He has to be in his motion by the time the clock strikes zero. With runners on base, he has 20 seconds. Hitters will get one timeout per plate appearance, Kerry. So Mm -hmm. uh, that is one thing that we need to keep in mind. And they have to be in in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher with eight seconds on the pitch clock. So if they're not alert, is it the pitcher can pitch, and or is it just an automatic strike? It's an automatic strike. Okay. So they, they need to be, to be eyes up. Pitchers get two disengagements, uh, pickoff attempts, or step-offs per batter, and any violation of that will be a balk. There are a limit on pickoff attempts, and that led to a 26% increase in stolen base attempts in the minors last year. And the pitch timer helped reduce game length by 25 minutes in 2022. Now, Joe Martinez is the MLB rules guru, and uh, he tells us when the pitch timer starts. In a normal just pitch and catch situation, right? Pitcher throws a pitch, catcher catches it, and the umpire calls it. The clock's going to start when the pitcher gets the ball back. Um, in any sort of dead ball situation, the umpire calls time or there's a foul ball. It's The clock isn't going to start really until play's ready to resume, which means the pitcher needs to be on the mound with the ball. The catcher and the batter have to be in the home plate area. Um, the umpire has to be in position. And all the players and base runners have to be ready to go, right? So if a foul ball's hit down the line and a runner's going and a, the right fielder's chasing it, the clock won't start until those folks are back where they need to be, um, and that's when the clock will start. Now, 15 seconds goes by in a big hurry. Yes. And the seven seconds that the hitter has goes by in a really big hurry. Players are getting used to it right now, but from what I've seen of the games that I've watched so far, Kerry, I really like the changes. I think that speeding up the game, providing more action, yeah. and it's not about cutting the games from three hours to two and a half. It's having more action on the field is what I really like. No, I think that's important. Just the the um, the pace of the game is picked up, and, and it's not dragging out as it has in the past. I had a question for you, though, Randy. You said the batter gets – you know, one opportunity to one timeout, essentially. Yeah. The the pitcher, if a runner is on, can step off and throw two times. What if there are no runners on? What if the pitcher just doesn't have a good grip of the ball or is not comfortable? He's already come set. Can he step off? Does he get a certain number of times to step off? He has to throw he that has to pitch, pitch when he is on the mound, set and ready to go in that in that 15-second time right. limit. Right, and if he that's doesn't, be, then it's a ball. Yeah, that's going to be – that I think you're going to see more of those because we've seen pitchers at times shake off catchers or or maybe not feel comfortable with the grip of the ball or, or their positioning, and they just step off and kind of reset themselves. They're, if they do that now without a runner on, they're going to get a – there's going to be a ball to the batter – and it's going to make it – I think you'll see more of that happening than than strikes being called because batter's not being ready. I agree with that because pitchers, they've historically needed to be in a comfort zone, and that won't be automatic now. Now, what about when a runner is at first? You've got the 20-second pitch clock, and the pitcher is allowed two disengagements. Here's Joe Martinez on that. So you can still pick a third time. Um, so a runner's still going to be at risk getting a huge lead. If a pitcher picks a third time and gets an out, there's no penalty. Um, so just walking off of first base is not going to be a good strategy. I do think it gives the runner a little bit more leverage because the pitcher has to be careful. If the runners return safely to the base on that third pickoff, a balk is called. But again, if you get a huge lead, you're going to pretty easily be put out, particularly with Major League Baseball players right, who are so good at fundamentally and, and, and you know will get outs in those situations. 
pitchers are going to have to do a really good job of knowing where the the base runner is. And remember the big leads that Vince Coleman got. Yeah. He was really intimidating. I would have to think, because most really good base runners know exactly what it'll take to get back to first base for every single pitcher. Right. I would think that there will be some massive leads taken against some pitchers. And and taken off. And it's going to be, like I said, it brings more action to the game, more stolen bases. That brings more excitement to the the fan as they're watching. It's when you're stationary base to base and, and, you know, first base to second base, second base to third base, it becomes mundane at times. But when you are able to steal a bag and, and put more pressure on the on the defense because now you're in scoring position, it makes the game more fun. And now the pitcher has to get to home plate and not have as much time to, to, to wait in between pitches. I think that's going to be more fun. And last year in the minors, limits on pickoff attempts led to a 26% increase in stolen base attempts. So hopefully that'll happen at the major. Major league level. Okay, so the the shift is very easy. Two infielders have to be on each side of second base when the pitch is released. All four infielders. I think this is as big as having the infielders on either side of second base. All four infielders must have both feet within the infield on the infield dirt mm-hmm. when the pitcher is on the rubber. And then the shift restrictions increase batting average and decrease strikeouts in the minors while giving players more opportunity to show off their athleticism. I'm a big fan of the fact that the the fielders have to have their feet on the grass because right. even going back to that playoff game last year that the Cardinals played the the first one against Philadelphia because because of the fact that an infielder could be four, five, six feet onto the grass or more. That really did hurt the Cardinals. And it obviously, it hurt a guy like Matt Carpenter a right. lot during his career because right. he had a lot of balls that will not be caught now. Correct. And that makes a that makes it, it, it harder. It makes it harder for, for players um, for for players to kind of adjust to that, but it makes it easier. You know, the, the more athletic player is going to make those plays, and and you got to have a guy like Matt Carpenter who is going to get more hits because there aren't three people standing in in short right center field mm-hmm. <laughs> ready to make a play on the ball. We've got a couple of texts, Matthew. What do you got on the text line there? We've got uh, we got two or three people here asking, kind of, what, uh, can the catcher just hold the ball until the pitcher is ready? And somebody said, are there any rules on how quickly the catcher has to return the ball to the pitcher? Could they slow things down by inspecting the ball or other tactics? Joe Martinez actually, uh, with Buster only kind of broke down the rules and restrictions they're already putting in place to avoid that. Catchers, you know, in the minor leagues, they're, they're smart. <laughs> and uh, they're holding on to the ball a couple seconds longer, giving the pitcher t- time to, to you know, get set or... Um, you know, take more time between pitches than, than maybe we wanted. I think in, in isolated situations, that's okay, right? If a guy just gave up a double or threw a couple bad pitches, hold on the ball a second, hey, calm down. You know, you'll see pitchers, catchers a lot of times, right? They use their hands, hey, calm down, relax, stay within yourself. Um, but if they if they do it kind of as a practice, right? Every pitch, they're holding onto the ball, holding onto the ball, holding onto the ball. Um, the umpires will, will, give, will warn them and, and make sure that they speed that back up. And if they don't, they, they can be penalized for it. So, you know, we want to try to account for those, you know, attempts at circumventing the rule and really slowing the game down. That's Joe Martinez from Major League Baseball on Buster Olney's Lifelong Learner podcast. And that's an interesting question. And another part of this that I find interesting, Yadier Molina always made it a point to go and stand in front of the plate to allow somebody to get a standing ovation here yeah. in St. Louis. Are standing ovations over with? I, I think they'll still have. I think they'll still have that. I think. I think they'll allow. I mean, and that's just part an eight of the game. second standing ovation. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be that short, but I think that like you still have that part of the game available. 
They won't. The referee will. If it's CB it, Buckner, it seems. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like they're trying to give the the umps a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. and to give people the leverage. I think maybe first inning, big time player. I think maybe the the seventh inning when a guy comes in to pinch hit who played, you know, 145 plate appearances for the Cardinals three years ago. I think that standing ovation might be a little bit problematic now. See, they're just ruining the best fans in baseball. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what the, all of these rules changes are put in place to ruin the best fans in baseball. To make us not the best fans in baseball. Anymore. That's what they they don't it's, want us to be great anymore. They definitely don't want us to be the drunkest anymore. Apparently, that's no, that's, that's, that's the big problem. The they, don't, they don't want anybody to be drunk no, anymore. No fun. There's a question here. If the pitcher, we and we talked about this, and I because for pitchers it's a, a feeling, right? When it's hot, they sweat a lot more. When it's cold, they don't really get a good grip. If a batter, if a pitcher needs to change a ball out, what if? How does that work? Like if he doesn't like the feeling of the ball, does that have to take place before he comes set? Like once he gets the ball, oh no, I don't like this one. He's going to have back. to make that decision in a hurry. That's a great question. That, that's from the three one four. Does someone text that in? And that's that's what pitchers. I'm sure they're going to find a way to toss a couple of balls back. No, but I don't like that one. Don't like mm-hmm. that one. Okay, I'll take this one. Which gives them time to, you know, reset and and, and rest just a little bit. Now, I don't think it can happen every inning, but it's going to happen a time or two. Yeah, there there has to be a rule in place for yeah. that so that the pitcher doesn't provide himself the opportunity even just to charge his arm up again, right, right for one one pitch. They're interesting. The The rules changes are interesting, and I'm sure the baseball, in their infinite wisdom, they've thought through all of this stuff. Yeah. They know exactly what's going to happen. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey with our blues insider from The Athletic. Jeremy Rutherford is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Jerry and Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider from The Athletic, joins us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Morning, boys. Doing well. Thank you. Hey, I have a couple of questions here. Number one is this. Do you think that the Blues plan for 2022-2023 was completely thrown off when they didn't get Matthew Kachuk? I think if I had to answer that, I I think that, yes, they had to pivot completely thrown off. I I don't think that might be a little overuse because uh, I felt that Doug Armstrong – was going to go after Matthew Kachuk. I thought there was a good chance, Randy, that Matthew Kachuk could come here. And yes, Florida sweeping in there and making that offer, uh, of course, did change that trajectory. Um, I think that the Blues, though, whether they were going to get him or not, you know, probably were going to sign Cairo and these guys to the big extensions. Probably were going to go that direction. You know, I go back to that trade proposal to Calgary for Matthew Kachuk and you know, uh, I don't think the Blues included Jordan Cairo in that. So, yes, he would have been the biggest piece, and yes, he would have taken the Blues, I think, in a different direction. Um, but, but gosh, uh, it, it sure did change things, I'll give you that. Here's my thing. The Blues, much like the Cardinals, like having stars. Matthew Chuck is an established star. With the departures of Tarasenko and O'Reilly, I don't think they have a star on their roster right now. 
Yeah, probably stars in the making. You talk to to one of them uh, each week, uh, Robert Thomas. Mm-hmm. I still think he can be that guy. Like uh, I look at him last year when things were going well for the Blues, and he can be that guy. He was fifty plus assists. I think he can be that, you know, ninety point guy, and maybe uh, if he scored more, get to a hundred. You know, Jerry's still out on Jordan Cairo. The the points are there, the plays are there, the highlight reel plays are there. Uh, but I think he's just got to find a way to put the work in, be more consistent, and be a guy that the Blues coaches can trust. So, But I think you go through these transition periods, right, where maybe you don't have a star, but you're hoping these guys that you're grooming become that guy. Or with the money that you have going into each summer, you can find a guy like that in, in free agency. Hey, uh, JR, what did you think of Casper um, Kapanen's debut the other night? Yeah, Kerry, he jumped off the page a little bit, and that was kind of to be expected just because he was motivated. We sat at his locker the day before, and he really wanted to prove some people wrong after what happened in Pittsburgh. And there were a couple times I'm sitting in press row looking down at the ice, and a Blues player makes a move, and right away you don't know it's him, but it's like, well, I haven't seen that before this year. Uh, you know, he's, he's stopping on a dime and, and turning. And then uh, I think a couple things. He he, uh, he was active. He, he got straight to a shooting position and, and got the shot off. He led the team with four shots. He played 19 minutes. I heard Randy say that, you know, that's more minutes than he's used to playing. Uh, I think he said after the game, he said, I wasn't used to that. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. that moving, moving forward, I think he can be a good player. You know, all I would say is that uh, he's got to continue it and get past this stage where the adrenaline's pumping. And I asked Craig Bruby that yesterday, how can he keep this going? How can he be the player that, kind of caught everybody's attention the other night. And he just said, stick to the things that he does well, skate well, shoot well. And the one thing he said, he said he told the captain in practice, get to the net, get to the net. That's what we need from guys. I think when you look at what Kapanen has, has dealt with going through and, and being waived and, and being picked up, that is something when you're a player getting your second chance after being cut, you kind of realize what you did wrong or didn't do well, and you're going to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think that's what we can expect from him going forward. Yeah, and I look at it that way, too. The only thing is, you know, covering Blues, what, 18 years or so, and, uh, you know, you guys have been following sports and covering sports. Uh, Let's just say there's five guys that you get in this similar situation. I think based on history, it seems like about one of them really gets it turned around and really becomes the player and really Mm -hmm. takes advantage of that second opportunity. And I would say three to four of them, you get that two-week jolt out of them, and then they go back to being the player that got themselves waived. So we'll see which camp he falls in. But uh, it seems like it's just one or two that usually actually take off after that. JR, you put up a piece yesterday at The Athletic, what I'm hearing about Colton Pareko's Blues future and potential trade options. Those have changed a lot over the last 48 hours, obviously. <laughs> but uh, with, the, with the trade deadline tomorrow, what are you seeing with Colton Pareko's Blues future? Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, anything will happen by tomorrow. I do think there was some traction uh, in the past couple days. I do think that Edmonton had some interest. Of course, they landed on Nashville's defenseman, Matthias Ekholm. Uh, you know, there's more moves today, by the way. You see Boston getting Todd Bertuzzi, and it and, uh, looks like Boston just uh, re-signed Pasternak, too, just uh, came across $11.25 million AAV for Pasternak. So. So some big moves. Uh, the trade deadline balloon has uh, popped, though, for uh, I think the, the stations that are going to be covering it tomorrow or Friday. But uh, with the Blues situation, Colton Pareko, you know, I think this will be revisited in the off season. I do think there's a strong possibility that if the Blues can find the right trade that they would make it. They need to do something to 
uh, revamp this defense. I know a lot of people, I wrote that story about Colin Preco, Randy, and people are saying, what about Tory Krug? Well, you know, Tory Krug's still a good player, but he's been banged up, and you got to have interest. Like, I'm sure he could be available if the Blues uh, were able to move him, but wh- where's the interest? I don't know that they've received any calls on him. Nick Letty, I think there's a little bit of interest. You know, if you move Nick Letty, does that really change things? Uh, I think that Doug Armstrong is going to continue uh, looking down this path on moving a defenseman, but I would be surprised, and you know, I go out on a limb here. I would be surprised if it happened by Friday at two. I think this is something that uh, would probably be taken care of in the off season. Jared, one of the things that I always do when I think about a trade of a player is put myself myself in the shoes of a, another general manager who has to go to his owner and say hey, I want to give up some assets so that we can pick up Tory Krug and the $26 million remaining on his deal over the next four years. If you're a GM of another team, knowing what you know about Tory Krug, I don't go to my owner and make that request. I think I can get a lot more bang for my buck than what I've seen from him over the last, especially this year, and with the term and the money left on his contract. You can't. You can't. And I like uh, Tory Krug, and I think when he's healthy, and he's in a good situation with the team playing well, and you got three defensemen around him that are playing well, I think he can be a good player. And, and I think, you know, it's it's not a horrible contract if you're dealing with those types of circumstances. But that's not the situation in St. Louis. The defense isn't playing well. Uh, Tory Krug's been banged up, and, and that's the thing. So, Randy, what it comes down to for me are guys like Krug, Letty, uh, and Pareko. We'll focus on Krug and Pareko. You know, what are the Blues trying to get if they did deal them, or are they just trying to move the contracts? You know, I don't want to get, you know, too deep into this, but you look at the situation with Edmonton. Let's say the Blues are trying to trade Colton Pareko to Edmonton. Well, Edmonton thought that it was a better deal to make with Nashville and give up some assets to get Matthias Beckholm with a few years left on his deal. Granted, the Predators uh, retained some salary. I think it was 4%, but... You know, to me, it kind of shows you that if it was a no-brainer to trade for Colton Preco, like basically Doug Armstrong was giving him away to get rid of the contract, then Edmonton would have made a move like that. So evidently, that's not the situation. That's what not what Doug Armstrong's trying to do here. And I didn't think he would be, but I think it just kind of shows you that, hey, the Blues want to get something in return for these guys. That's what I think is going to make it a little bit difficult with all that term on there. Hey, JR, you talked about Barubi telling Kapanen to get in, get in front of the net. Um, they're 0 for 22 in their power play. It doesn't feel like anyone is getting in front of the net and making plays. What do they need to do to correct that? They need to shoot the puck, which which I know I know is, is just common. We talk about it all the time, but we watched the uh, power play practice yesterday, just completely stagnant, not enough shots. We remember the one the other night they had – uh, a four-minute double minor power play and two shots on that, both by Kyra, both into the chest of the goalie. You know, they're just not doing anything. And and so uh, Craig Bruby talked about it a little bit yesterday. I think Kapanen's going to help. We did see him line up in that spot on the right side. Matter of fact, he took uh, one little shift away from uh, from uh, Jordan Kyra on that top player power play unit over on that side. And he does have a bit of a one-timer. I mean, we're not talking – you know, David Perron-esque, but I think that uh, that would be a tool on that side that the Blues can use. And if it's not going to be Kapanen, it's got to be somebody. They've got to have that threat on that side. You know, you can talk about David Perron scoring some goals from that side, but not only do you get those goals from him there, but it opens up other players on, uh, around the, uh, the, the, uh, the area in the offensive zone to score more goals on the power play. That's why it was top five under 
Jim Montgomery, Steve Ott a couple years ago, and I think that that's where uh, the Blues are lacking right now. They just don't have that one-timer ability, and it doesn't free up other spots of the ice. JR, you mentioned that the trade deadline balloon is already popped with the deadline tomorrow, and I think if I'm not, if, if my math is correct, and my math is always questionable, but I believe that 10 first-round draft choices from last summer till now, 10 of the Draft choices in the 2023 draft have been traded. Ten of the first-rounders. It's amazing. And, yeah, you look up and down uh, the teams. I was just doing that. You glance at the standings. Look at, look at the, uh, the East especially. Uh, New York Rangers, Kane and Tarasenko. Devils get Meyer. Uh, Toronto gets O'Reilly. Then they get uh, Luke Shen as well. I mentioned Boston gets uh, Bertuzzi. Uh, look at these teams that are just loading up. They're going all in. These are going to be some great playoffs. But I'll tell you what, only one team from the East advances. You throw in the West teams, they've done some additions too. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams licking their wounds for giving up these first-round draft picks, but that's what you got to do. It looks like the teams are just seeing what the, each other is doing and saying, okay, well, we got to get better in that team, and, and everybody's giving up these first-round picks. So, you know, it's a different year for the Blues kind of not to be involved in in the playoffs, uh, but I think Doug Armstrong did a great job stacking up what he could for those unrestricted free agents. And whether he turns these uh, picks into something this offseason and turns that into a player, we'll see. I really do think he's leaning that way. Uh, but if not, they're going to have uh, a lot of arsenal heading into that draft. Do you think there's any value in Grice? Could he be moved by tomorrow? I, I talked to Thomas about that a couple of days ago. He said he had no indication what he was doing. You know, could have been fibbing me, but. Uh, uh, I don't know that there's a huge market out there. And then the other part of that is, uh, do you want to bring Joel Hofer up and take his lumps down the stretch? I think I talked to some goalie people who say that, yes, that's what's best for him. Get Joel up, Hofer up here. Uh, I think if there was an opportunity to, to move Grice and get Hofer up here, perhaps the Blues might consider that. I'm sure they've already made that decision. Uh, but uh, either way, we'll see Joel Hofer next year as he signed that uh, two-year one-way contract. JR, great stuff. I know that you'll be right next to the phone tomorrow because the Blues haven't done anything, and this will be a huge trade deadline day for them. <laughs> yeah, I've been next to it, seems like, uh, for a month straight. It gets, uh, gets stuck to my face every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's our friend Jeremy Rutherford. He is the Blues insider for 101 ESPN from The Athletic. Next up, here on 101 ESPN, we're going to go back to baseball. Baseball's got a big problem with blackouts, but they might be softening their stance on blackouts, and there's an interesting reason why. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There have been a lot of issues over the years with blackouts of Major League Baseball. If you're in Iowa, you can't see any of the regional teams. You can't see the Cardinals, Royals, Cubs, White Sox, uh, one other uh, Midwestern team. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. And part of that is an issue with Major League Baseball itself. Part of it is an issue with the regional sports networks. And the regional sports network that carries most teams, 19 of them, is Diamond Corporation, which owns Bally Sports, including Bally Sports Midwest. And it looks like Diamond Sports, surprising that they haven't yet, is going to file for bankruptcy. And they will probably miss payments on some Major League Baseball team's rights. Mm. Eventually, we would expect that Bally will not exist. And the question becomes, because... 
ESPN tried to buy those RSNs, and they were told by the government, no, that would be a monopoly. They, you can't do that. Diamond Sports spent billions of dollars, couldn't overcome the debt that they spent on the RSNs. So they're looking at bankruptcy. So what happens with the video production of Major League Baseball games right now? CD, it looks like Major League Baseball is angling towards taking their games Mm in-house. So each team would be essentially responsible for developing and selling their own network. Mm -hmm. So maybe the Cardinals would remain on the same channel, or they could get a different channel, but the Cardinals would essentially run their own TV network. So would the Yankees, so would the Dodgers, so would the White Sox, so would the Cubs. And there will be, I guess the Yankees and the the Cubs would be protected. They're the big market groups. But the RSNs for most teams, I think, probably will wind up in the hands of uh, of the individual teams right now. And, and which, if it's the, the, it, it makes them more money, right? The team can make more money if they're the ones producing the product, selling the product, selling the advertisement, to be able to bring all that money in house, as opposed to having essentially a middle kind of go through to produce the product. I guess it can be beneficial for for each team. Does that? allow teams that are not drawing as many or not drawing as much like the Cincinnati Reds or Pittsburgh Pirates, does that allow them to gain or make more money for their franchise if they are actually the ones selling their own product? See, here's the thing. Or is it thing. worse because they're not – no one's going to – you may not have as many people watching. If you try, you can do it. The easy thing about having rights fees paid is you just get a check. You don't have, right. to, you don't have to try. You just get the check in your right. hand. But – if you're willing to make the effort to have a great production with an attractive team and sell it yourself, without that middleman, you can make a whole lot more money. The Cardinals, as an example, will have the opportunity to make a whole lot more money. To answer your question, even though the Reds have been bad, they're always, during the summer months, number one in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. The the TV show is number one. So even though the team is not particularly attractive, with all of the options out there, during the summer, people in Cincinnati would rather watch the watch Reds that. than anything else. They'd rather watch the Pirates in Pittsburgh than anything else. It's amazing how good MLB's TV ratings are in their particular markets. Well, they, they're really the only show that's going on. I mean, you got basketball, but people don't really tune in until the playoffs, or, or and that ends in June. So, you know, July, August, September, until football really gets rolling, you have the, the main eyes of, of most fans of most people being able to watch I guess my my thing would be is if if you are a an organization would you rather run it yourself or would you rather Major League Baseball kind of take over and do essentially what what uh Bally's is doing now for most of these organizations if if I were doing it I would rather run it myself. Okay. Yep. But my, it, that means more work, more people. More, more you work, might have to hire but, more people. But more money. you got to spend more money in order to make more money. Yeah, but you can sell so much. Okay. Kerry, here are the teams that are number one versus all cable programming in their market for primetime games for the six months of the season. Okay. Here are the teams. Braves, Orioles, Red Sox, Cubs, White Sox, uh, Reds, Guardians, Tigers, Astros, Royals, Dodgers, Brewers, Twins, Mets, Rays, Yankees, Phillies, Pirates, Padres, Giants, Mariners, Cardinals. All of those teams, 22 teams, are number one in their market Mm. versus all cable programming for primetime games. 
So there's a lot of money to be made for those organizations if they do the work. And by the way, here are the teams that are number one for broadcast and cable. So here in St. Louis, do the Cardinals beat everything that's on channels 2, 4, 5, 11, 30? Yes. Mm -hmm. The teams that are number one in their market for everything shown on TV, Astros, Braves, Brewers, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants, Guardians, Mariners, Padres, Phillies, Rays, Royals, and Yankees. All of those teams are selling the number one show in their market every single night during the summer. So why is it that it feels like baseball doesn't have as much attention on it as 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 maybe another football or basketball? It doesn't feel as 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 though there are as many eyeballs as there are for those other sports. Because we're talking about local broadcasts. The national numbers for baseball are not extraordinary. It has become a local and regional proposition, like the NHL. But that's not a bad thing. They're still making a lot of money. It's just they don't have close to the national audience that the monster that the NFL is or that the NBA is. Does that have anything to do with the blackouts, though? If you are not allowed to see... Uh, a, a Cardinals game in Iowa. It's the, the, the national numbers are are drastically different than the regional numbers would be. Correct. Yes, and that's why baseball has hired four people. Billy Chambers was hired. He was kind of like the negotiator for Bally mm-hmm. and Rob Manfred. He described to me as a business viper. Okay, took him away. This is a guy that knew all the numbers for Bally, and he said, called him up, said, "I'll double your salary if you come over ah. and negotiate for me." So Manfred got him, and then he got three other RSN experts this week: a guy named Doug Johnson, another guy named Greg Pinnell, and another guy named Kendall Burgess. And all of those guys are really sharp; they know TV. And ultimately, what'll happen is we won't have any more blackouts right. once the RSNs are gone. If you want to watch a Cardinals game in Iowa, you'll be able to. If you want to watch a Giants game in L.A., you'll be able to. You'll be able to, in pretty much any market on MLB, it'll be called MLB TV, you'll be able to watch every single game you want if you're paying for it, which is the way it should be. I was listening to BK and Ferrario talk about this yesterday. How much would you be willing to pay a year for a subscription to watch any baseball team in the country, anywhere, wherever you are? What would that number be? For me? Yes. I'd probably go like 120 bucks a year. But here's okay. the thing, Kerry. Baseball's got their relationship with T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. I get MLB TV free. Ah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Might have to make a change. T-Mobile Tuesdays. Okay. So that's a pretty good thing. And what they need to do is build upon, enhance their partnerships so that rather than get the 120 bucks from Randy Carricker, right. you're getting that 120 bucks essentially from T-Mobile. Correct. I got that makes sense as well. Yeah, T-Mobile's doing okay. Right, they're, they're doing better than you and I, Randy. Yeah, I'm they just are. Saying. They are. But ultimately, I think the bottom line here is this: what you were talking about. I think the. Let me give you a couple of things that I think will happen. Number one, I think the blackouts will go by the wayside. The other thing I think is that if Major League Baseball is in charge of this whole thing, okay, mm-hmm. so the the thirty teams are Major League Baseball. Well, if you are Major League Baseball and you have MLB Network, you say to yourself, okay, I've got all of these RSNs now who are doing their local pre- and post-game shows, but I also own MLB Network. Why would I want to cannibalize MLB Network, which is a really expensive but a really high-quality product, when I can just have that be my pre- and post-game show for everybody, mm. why shouldn't I be like the National Football League, yeah. where I have 
a pregame show. So MLB Network, MLB Tonight right. comes on. If you're in the Eastern Time Zone, you've got a pregame show. Then those guys ramp up again for the Central Time Zone, and then you put them out in, in Western Time Zones, the Pacific Time Zone together. So you have, just as an example, MLB Tonight for the pregame show with Roe Flow and, uh, and Tom Verducci and whatever, and then you come back after the game. There's Greg Amzinger, Harold Reynolds, Dan Plesak saying, Okay, we just got the Cardinal final in. Welcome all you viewers that have been watching the right. Cardinals to MLB tonight. I wonder if that might be an approach that baseball has to streamline some of the costs of pre and post game shows all over the country. Uh, yes, instead of having each team have their own yeah. pre and post, have one group of people doing it. That'd and be that, a lot of work for and, them. Yeah, but it would nationalize yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it, it nationalizes everything. So if your Cardinal game ends, you can say, okay. Cardinal fans, the Cubs just knocked off the Reds. Here's what we have. Let's right. go to the highlights. Right. Just like James Brown does it on, uh, uh, the, NF- on, uh, on, on the NFL today yeah. or uh, Kurt Menefee on, on Fox. Yeah. What does it do for other sports? Uh, hockey. Or I watch the Grizzlies games on Bally's. How does that impact those other sports in, in, in terms of what they're going to do. We talk about Major League Baseball and probably going MLB Network, but what about those other other organizations? Other there franchises? has to be synergy. The Yes Network is a cooperative deal between the Yankees and the Nets. Mm-hmm. There's The Cardinals and Blues will have no trouble working together. Right. And it'll be beneficial for both. That's going to have to happen throughout the country, though. Are the Phillies and Fly or not Phillies? Are the are the Flyers and Sixers going to be able to work together? Are right. the Celtics and the Bruins going to be able to work together? Ultimately, for the betterment of all organizations, I think there's going to have to be a synergistic relationship, which, by the way, already exists at the highest level because MLB Network and NHL Network are in the same building in right. Secaucus, New Jersey. Right. So I think that they'll be able to pull that off. Okay. I hope so. Can't we all just get along? Uh, we would like to. Yeah, but, but I, I think we'll. When money is involved. <laughs> yeah, I, we. we w- here's what we know: Are we going to be able to watch the Blues and the Cardinals on TV or on our devices? Yes. yes. It's just going to be a different way that the product is delivered to us. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. A little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, 101 ESPN is your chance to score a pair of single-session passes to Arch Madness, the 2023 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament that starts today at Enterprise Center. Tickets available now at 101ESPN.com. It's the 33rd Annual Valley Tournament hitting the court at Enterprise Center today through Sunday. Tickets for Arch Madness on sale now at 101ESPN.com, but you can win a pair of single-session passes any session you want right now by texting in 314-399-9646 314-399-9646 and answering this question. If you are texter number 21 texter number 21 when St. Louis University won the NCAA tournament, or not the the NIT tournament, in uh, 1948. Let me put it this way. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll do it this when when St. Louis U won the the NIT tournament, the national championship in 1948. What conference were they playing in? And again, Missouri Valley Conference tournament tickets are on the line here. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you would be a great teacher, Randy. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I think I would want to be in your class. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do we got uh, on the the old rock and roll? Let's dive into a little bit of college basketball. Last night there was a big SEC battle between the Auburn Tigers. A lot of Tigers in the SEC, of course. Auburn Tigers were facing off against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama number two in the nation. Well, at one point they went down to by seventeen to Auburn, but unfortunately they were able to claw that for Auburn. I should say they were able to claw their way back. They sent it to overtime and they beat Auburn in overtime, ninety to eighty five. Bruce Pearl was not very happy with the 29 uh, fouls to 20 foul disparity between the Tigers and the Crimson Tide, and he let it be known in his post-game press conference last night, if I can get it up here. 29 to 20? Um, was the, that, 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 that was a big disparity. Bruce, you're on a sideline. You shouldn't complain about anything. You really shouldn't complain about much, Mr. Pearl. You've uh, for some reason. done some... Questionable things according to NCAA so. logic. Yeah, but yeah. You're you're blessed and fortunate to still be there. I'd say so. So here's Bruce Pearl in the post game. Um, you know, obviously they made some made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them. At the end of the day, um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Hmm. Smashed. Coach, just talk about what what Saturday represents now. Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. At three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke! Joke. <laughs> Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl joining us. My favorite part is you I can hear the, Auburn, the Alabama crowd booing him as he throws the headset down and then walks away from the postgame presser. He was fired up. Smash down there! Joke! The, we don't, the, we the, don't get the eruptions on, on the Denny, Den, Dennis Green level anymore. Thank you, to, Bruce Pearl. That, to Thank me, you. head coaches just losing it is some of the best <laughs> audio, some of the best video you will ever find because there's a snapping point for everyone, mm-hmm. Randy. And, and Smash down there! <laughs> that might never, to, Smash when, down there! When you see it... Smashed! <laughs> when you see it... That is beautiful, man. Like because we all have our breaking point, correct? Oh yeah. And and, and we know you, you hope, do. We know you yeah, do. We, yeah, yeah, no question. <laughs> and we hope that we can hold it together in in public. But when you can no longer hold it together and you just go <laughs> ape, it just it's 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 wonderful. It's, 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 it's absolutely it's, fantastic. It's, it's great. It's hard to beat. Yeah, it really is. It is so congratulations bad. to. Uh, to Coach Pearl, he, joke. He, he kind of endeared himself to us again. Well, I mean, you got, you got. Uh, I'm a man. I'm 40. Like, joke. That, that to me is a great one. Mm-hmm. You know, we are who they thought they we we, we were who we thought they were. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you play to win the game. Hello, like all of these things are coaches that are at yep. their wits end. They have had enough, enough of your questions, enough of the comments, enough of poor play from their teams. It's just, you know, it's overwhelming and you eventually snap. Okay, when's the last time you snapped? Randy, let me tell you something. We were losing a game. This was I really, really snapped in 2022. 
No, twenty twenty one. It was a it, we we were seven and zero that season, and we were five and zero at the point, and and we were losing. We were down or tied at halftime to a team that was zero and five, and my team knew. They <laughs> knew. They said, Coach, when you came in and snapped, we we were walking into the locker room like, it's it's about to happen. I blew a gasket. I blew it. I lost it. And I couldn't take it. There was a situation last season where I had a computer that met the wrong end of a fist <laughs> because there was so much anger. But that that game in 21 versus Hazelwood West where we were we were not winning at halftime. And we ended up winning like 48 to nothing in the second half. Wow. Or, or 42 so you, to nothing. you had an effect then. Your, your little yeah, explosion. Yeah, but I – oh, Randy. It was bad. It was bad for me. It was bad. It was worse for them. <laughs> they, to their credit, I had a lot of seniors yeah. that were starters that year. They knew yeah. what was coming. Press conferences are outstanding. I always love press conferences. Yes. Do we have Jim Mora? This is not the Jim Mora. This is another Jim Mora that's really good. Best. It's clean, right? Oh, yeah. You, you guys really don't know when it's good or bad, when it comes right down to it. Will you make a promise to us? Will you tell us when it's good? And I'm promising you right now that you don't know when it's good or bad. <laughs> you really don't know. Because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will. Okay? Just for your own information. Sometimes it won't. I can tell you it won't be good, and you'll see it won't be good. Sometimes you'll think it's good, and it isn't any good. Sometimes you'll think it's bad, and it was pretty darn good. Sometimes you'll think it's bad, and it was bad. But basically, you really don't know. <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> they don't. They don't have a clue. Oh, no. My favorite, Jim Moore, is playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's the playoffs. best. That's classic. Yeah. I, I just want to win a game. Yeah. <laughs> Coach is snapping. I, we, we should do a we should do a segment on that because there was a yeah. was it a minor league coach a few years ago that went out bear crawled out to oh the, yeah it was a cardinal guy yeah, yeah. bear crawled out and and yep. and threw the the it, he lost it he did yeah and <laughs> of course picking up bases yeah we we always enjoy Lee Elia yes people just oh, playground out was, there oh that was really <laughs> oh that the profanity laced. Uh, tirade he went on. Yeah, we'll we'll get that out there. So congratulations to Bruce Pearl for getting us going here today. Smashed! (laughs) Congratulations to David in Belleville. He knew that in 1948, when St. Louis University won the national title by winning the National Invitation Tournament, they played in the... Missouri Valley... Conference. Well done. Go, I have a great teacher. I have a great teacher. You know, he helps us out immensely. As I, I would love to be in your class, Randy. I, I, I can teach. Yeah, I, I think you teach. you kind of let us know what was going on. You, you, to... you teach in a way that is, uh, I can learn. Yep, and I, I can learn in this manner. You'll and always remember. I will always remember, yep. especially when it's told to me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't forget it. Yeah. T-Mac <laughs> is down in Florida, and Ajax is here. But T-Mac is going to have his fabulous show coming up in just a moment here on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate the the great work today. A L- little better today because I won of uh, Matthew Rockia. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't say and that. Clearly he's, Rock has been accused oh, of, God, of, of laying down questions God, for, Rock, for Randy. <laughs> I, I got accused of that today. Yeah, yeah way to throw up some softballs uh, there, Rock. Yeah, Randy just r- randomly just pulling out of his mind a 13-0 record by, by Ben Roethlisberger. I should have known he had that just locked away. I don't know the name of the hurricane 
that he played in his in his opener, though. I got to do some research on that. CD, this was fun. We will do this again tomorrow. It's Friday. Have a happy Friday Eve, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.